0: This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.
1: Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show, sponsored by the SEC registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brett Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning. Gosh, we're now on from 8 to 10 uh, every Saturday morning. I want to appreciate uh, you being there. I have been doing the Smart Investing Show for... I have 27 years written down. I need to change it to 28 years. I have been doing this now for 28 years in uh, San Diego. Uh, But very important, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock that you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, give us a call at 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And you get that unbiased. No strings attached fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about and ready to go is chase we got the uh facebook live set up and everything so we do that every morning so that's all set and running brendan's helping out on that looks like there's a this morning huh got a lot going on a lot going on yeah. okay oh. the mic's not on. uh is, is, is the mic's not on or are we just like uh what do we got going on here we got a comedy of errors this morning. Don't we? <laughs> and hey. like, oh, now there we go. There we go. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, so that that was in the control room. That okay. But you know, he runs back and forth like crazy. He, he's just like a great great guy doing all this stuff for us. We <laughs> really, really appreciate him. And uh, you see him pop in the screen once in a while on Facebook Live because I, Brendan, Brendan, I can't get this. What do I do? <laughs> so, but anyways, uh, end of the month. Uh, it happened. Uh, well, it happened. will to, oh, happen tomorrow. But yeah. for for investing, it was on Friday uh quite an interesting month uh i would love to say what we did last month but we can't because uh, the sec rules but um i mean it some- kind of
2: leads us into our, our topic here and i mean it's we always stick to the, the value investing approach and and yes we always tell people oh you missed tesla sorry brendan i said we wouldn't bring it up <laughs> you missed amazon you missed all these things but it, it, it again it Over the long term, we know that value investing, it works. I mean, we have this slide that that we show or we used to show in our workshops. Yeah. (laughs) Let people know a little bit. I guess we were talking about when can we start doing live workshops. We're having that discussion. So be on the listen for that. We we might have some news on that soon. We do have our webinar. But my point is here, as you go back to 1926, value stocks have averaged, I think it's 12.6% per year, while growth stocks have done 9.6% per Mm -hmm. year. That goes back to 1926. Again, you're going to have periods where growth does outperform value. I think it's over a 10-year period. Value outperforms 60% of the time. Uh, well, guess I what? I think it's 62% of the time. Yeah. yeah. Guess what? Right now we're in that 38% of the time where growth's outperformed over the last 10 years. Statistically speaking, yeah, that means value should outperform over the next 10 years. And my point is we stick to value because you never know when that 10-year time period is going to be where growth outperforms and value outperforms. But again, statistically- the odds are in your favor if right. you stick to the value investing. Plus, it just makes more sense to us. Yeah, and and also, too, that's
1: why I've always done value investing. And, and the thing I realized, too, like you're not investing for two, three, four years. You're investing for many times 30, 40, 50 years. So would it make more sense to use value investing over the long term as opposed to trying to play the the, the gamble of getting growth? And, and again, yeah, we've been beat by growth uh, before. Uh, we'll be beat in, in the future. But again, we manage money for lifetimes for people. But let's get back to the growth stocks because there is concern, rising concerns of inflation. Uh, the 10-year note, and I was shocked on this. We predicted by the end of the year, and it's still possible, by the end of the year, the 10-year note would be at 1.4%. Well, it surpassed 1.5% this past week. Uh, and remember, a year ago, the low was 0.4%. I I, I. I I had to double-check that number. I didn't think it was that low, but uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, this has created a, a negative reaction in the stock market with gross stocks taking the major hit. Uh, what's the reason for this? Well, some point of the interest becoming, or industry's becoming more competitive with the dividend rates. And this is one thing I think they're throwing out. I don't think that's it completely. I think it's more in the borrowing costs of what they're actually looking at.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, we talk about, wow, the 10-year note now at 1.5%. That means over the next 10 years, your return? <laughs> One and a half percent. So, yeah, you know, I've heard these financial pundits and so forth. Well, you know, now the yield's becoming more attractive, like the S&P 500, the dividend yield. I forget what it is exactly right now. I want to say it's under 2%. Mm-hmm. So, oh, well, now you compare is that to that the s p 500 that. dividend? I, I yeah. believe it's a it's around. I know it's been around 2%, but I know with the huge increase, dividends got cut, suspended. Right. I, I want to say it's under 2% right now. I don't have the exact number in front of me. But point is, is, oh, well, now it's becoming more competitive with that yield. Well, I'm still telling you, at least stocks you get the opportunity to move higher over the next 10 years. The the 10-year note, the 1.5%, that's your pretty much max return you're going to get over the next 10 years. I still don't think that is the reason you're seeing a a shift out of stocks. And the the other thing, too, we tell people is, uh, you know— many are concerned with the rising uh, yield because what happens is it can have a major impact on the companies that are trading at excessive, excessive valuations and growth stocks generally trade over the excitement of potential earnings and cash flows in the future. You know, when you buy a growth stock, it's like, yeah, it's not making money now, but in 10 years from now, it's going to be this huge company. They're going to have all this cash flow, all these earnings. It's going to be fantastic. So it really trades over that future growth. But the problem is as interest rates rise, the present value of those future earnings and cash flows becomes less attractive because what happens is you use that interest rate as what's known as a discount rate to bring those earnings back to a present value. As the interest rate goes up, those earnings now are less attractive. And we think that as interest rates continue to rise, that these growth stocks are going to have more and more problems.
1: Yeah. And again, those valuations are so high. And I just think it's kind of silly when people think, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy I'm going to buy Tesla <laughs> at 900 because I think it's going to go higher. No, nothing goes to the moon, and and something will change us. Uh, I, I and I'm just kind of thinking about things. I'm driving the studio, uh, thinking about this year. I think it will be a good year. I think we'll have that that pullback, but I'm really concerned for these high growth companies in 2022 because what's going to be the the big excitement then? I don't think that, I think we'll see rising taxes, rising interest rates. I think these high growth companies with these high valuations are going to get hit pretty hard. That could be the year that they really take a big hit.
2: Well, and also, too, you talk about more regulation on tech companies, which stifles growth. So it's going to, I think, you're going to see this less excitement around growth. And, you know, these companies might now grow 10% rather than 20%, but guess what? Now those future earnings are much, much lower, which means you can't trade at, you know, 900 times earnings. (laughs) It's not going to be a reasonable kind of. Valuation on it, so it's a, a big concern. And as you said, I, I think interest rates will continue to climb. And this is why we talked about, you know, a couple of weeks ago, people saying, "Well, you know, these companies can trade at these high multiples because interest rates are so low." Well, the question is, what happens when interest rates go up, like we're yeah. seeing now? Right. Now, can they trade at these high valuations? Well, you know, they're still low relatively to history. Yeah, you're right. But what happens as interest rates continue to go up? Are you going to get out in time before interest rates? I think the 10-year note could be at 3% within the next few years.
1: I, I think that's very very doable. And, and 3% is still not a bad return. But, uh, not a bad return, but a bad uh, interest rate. Uh, probably put your mortgage rates probably around, what, 4.5 maybe is, yeah. is my guess, maybe 5, uh, which would be a, a difficult for, for the real estate market. And, and actually, uh, we did talk about how we do see it with the rising rates now just a little bit, a uh, big headwind, I think, for the housing market among uh, high uh, labor prices, high lumber prices, high uh, 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 copper prices. I mean, all these different things that is really a headwinds, I think, for housing going forward. And, you know, mortgage rates going up, that means payments going to go up and people's salaries aren't rising that quick.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I again, we sound kind of doom and gloom right now. But, you know, the the thing is, it's really kind of focused more on interest rates. And I think it is. Partly because the economy is going to start to do better, and you know we've yeah. we've seen the the vaccination rates kind of improve, and we've seen the the cases go down. We talk about that that's going down. So it, it's all kind of a benefit. But the problem is these low low interest rates, as you said, of point four percent are not here to stay. Right. I think that point four percent we won't see again for a long long time. Right.
1: And, and I don't say we're doom and gloom. We just kind of look at what will do well in the economy because going when rates go up, who does well? Banks, insurance companies. Uh, economy stew does well, so you're going to have your staples will do well, uh, your your beverage companies, all these will, will do
2: very well. And, you know, I, I was reading about one of our consumer staple companies yesterday, mm-hmm. and it, it's a food company. I was like, wow, this is just phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, they're not grown at 20%, but they had this temporary issue that they're kind of resolving, and they adjusted the platform. This should be the first year now, the full year that they're on this new platform. A new CEO came in and I think really turned things around, and we're really excited about it. Those are the types of companies where – you know you're not seeing the successive 10% growth but what happens is with this packaged food company they can kind of raise prices at the normal rate of inflation mm-hmm. earnings as they they make kind of efficiency adjustments can grow at maybe 5-6% over the next 5 years again not super sexy growth but it's good growth and the right. company trades at great valuations those are the companies can do much better in a rising rate environment especially you get a nice yield with this particular company as well.
1: Right, and th- this whole GameStop thing and Bitcoin and so forth has got uh, unfortunately too many young investors thinking short term, and that's going to end end badly for people. You got to think longer term on stuff. Th- uh, speaking about uh longer term, uh, another reason why we love the right equities is unlike fixed income instruments, they can increase their dividends over time. And one of our favorite companies we held in our portfolio, we've had it for I think 12 years now, actually doubled their dividend rate uh was it Wednesday?
2: Uh well didn't double they increased it by 50% 50%. Yeah,
1: yeah I was yeah, I was going that backwards cuz it's not a double, but if you look backwards it was a double. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you go back
2: several years right, ago right. it's it's double, but yeah.
1: And actually even a little bit more than that. Yeah. A lot I mean,
2: more than a oh yeah, I mean yeah. It, what we look at is the dividend yield on this particular company was around 2% at the current prices and with that 50% increase now it's around 3%. And again, that's still much higher than 10-year note we just talked yeah. about, it. much higher than the S&P 500 yield as well. But now the exciting part is this yield is based on, as I said, the current prices. And you know, we've been buying this stock for years. And so several of our clients were able to get them in when we had a temporary problem. I said, that's when we like to buy businesses. When there's a temporary issue that can be resolved, wow, that's a phenomenal time to get into it. So I mean, if you actually look based on that price several years ago, the yield is now nearly 13% on that acquisition price. And we always tell people, unlike fixed income, dividend yields, well it's actually a payout from the earnings of the company. Right. So wow. Earnings went up, dividend went up. Earnings went up, <laughs> dividend went up. So now we're gonna have thirteen percent yield. I mean, that is just phenomenal in terms of an investment.
1: And if you bought a ten year well be ten years because it's 12 years yeah. fifteen-year note. Uh, Fifteen years ago.
2: Well, no, no this was in two thousand twelve that we bought it, so it actually would be. Oh, if it was
1: like a twelve, okay.
2: So, so it has been less than ten years.
1: Okay, so, so my uh, analysis is: so you go back ten years, you bought a ten-year note. I think back then rates were. I'm going to guess maybe five, six percent on the the treasury. So you've done far better, and let's talk about the appreciation on top of all that. So yep. it, it, that's why we love the right equities, as we call them. Because they, they, they do very, very well. So, um, But, uh, and again, you, you said a short-term pullback. I want mean, to kind of explain to people, short-term for us is like 12 to 18 months. So people said, oh, it's been two months. Nothing's happened. I'm going to sell and get out. Been six months. No, I'm going to. No, be patient. You know, Short-term for us, especially when you realize you're managing money uh, for your lifetime. You know, you don't you don't hit 65, say, OK, well, now I'm going to take it all back. No, you might have another 20, 25 years to live. So your, your investing cycle could be 50, 60 years. And I think younger people today, maybe your age, uh, living at 100 is probably going to be almost the norm because of advancements in medical technology. So you're going to spend almost half your uh, life in retirement or about the same number of years in retirement as you maybe were working.
2: So. Yeah, and I mean, it is definitely uh, a crazy thing to think about and managing money the right, <laughs> right way, as you said, for the long term is so important yeah. because you get these people that again, you made all this money on GameStop. Well, if you're in retirement and you made all this money on GameStop and you're trying to find that next GameStop. Let's say you've been out of the workforce for 10 years now and hey, I got I got this other big hit. I got, you know, and, uh, you know, another doubling of my money so I'm set now. We're well, in retirement now for 10 years. And now, all of a sudden, you try and find that next one. You lose 80% of your money, which is a very real possibility oh, if you're yeah. doing these crazy things. You're going to go back to work. You don't have any skills at that point. Right. <laughs> it's going to be a big problem. <laughs> so you have to, again, understand that finding good value investments right. is a great strategy for the long term and not trying to get that hit rich, hit quick because that's how you end up losing a lot of times big time. And that's where you're going to have big problems down the road. And as you said, I think a lot of people in the younger generation, my generation, they're trying to get rich quick, but they're not looking and thinking, you know, 50, 60 years down the road, which is not uh, out of the norm, especially, right. I mean, you're talking about people being 80 years old, 50 years from now, if they're 30, I mean, right. you have to look at the long term and people just, they don't want to.
1: And one thing I've said many times, I hate when people say, oh, you're young, you're going to afford to lose it. That is not true at all because once you lose it, you've lost something more important than losing the money. You've lost the benefit of long term compounding. And, and and it's called the eighth I guess the eighth wonder of the world.
2: Yeah, Warren Buffett called it the yeah. eighth wonder of the world. Yeah.
1: The matchup of compounding. And so once you lose it, no, you don't get any compounding. You gotta start off from day one. So so I, I tell people, no, don't lose it. Hang on to that money because you wanna benefit from the compounding. And 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 we tell people in our portfolios, yeah, we're we're thrilled. When we do eight, ten, twelve percent on average over a ten year period. That's a pretty doggone return. Your money will double about every seven to ten years, and that's again that compounding comes into play. So if you want to gamble, speculate, go ahead and do it. But again, I've been doing this for forty over forty years now. Uh, I don't like to lose people money because you lose the compounding effect. And we're not talking volatility. We're talking about the absolute risk. So all right, well let's move on because uh, oil prices. Uh, have continued to climb uh, last week, and the uh, WTI, which is the West Texas Intermediate crude, uh, surpassed sixty-two dollars a barrel. Goldman Sachs uh, they increased their forecast; they think it could hit seventy-two dollars a barrel. And I was driving in, and they think actually within the next three months. And I was driving in and noticed like, hey, what is gas doing at three seventy-five a gallon?
2: <laughs> I don't want to go there here in California. I was talking to you know our financial planner Harrison. He was in uh, Arizona. Arizona it's like, oh, yeah, you know, about a dollar cheaper. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> but look at
1: all the great <laughs> things we get here in California for the extra. Look how nice our roads are and the highways. And, oh, oh.
2: let's not forget that train to nowhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I mean, and oil prices, as you kind of said, it, it's expected to continue to increase. And we kind of look at given the economy is going to continue to reopen, people are going to want to travel. We, we, I mean, I talk to people all the time. And they're like, we just want to travel somewhere and do something. There's just going to be, I think, this huge boom in the travel industry, and that generally Mm -hmm. takes oil to get there. If you take a car or you take a plane, yeah, you're going to be burning some oil there. So as the economy continues to reopen, we'll see that, not to mention restaurants hopefully burning more energy, which does take fossil fuels. So that should increase demand. But also, too, we're going to have supply challenges in the U.S. due to recent changes to the supply system. I mean, we talk about regulations limiting of these oil companies to kind of drill and do things. Right. That's going to hurt the supply, and that's going to create, I think, a demand and supply imbalance, which will increase the prices on oil. So I, I definitely have to agree with Goldman Sachs' forecast there. And,
1: and I'm hoping, and again, I, I I, hope that they can reverse around the closing of the Keystone pipeline. There's another one that they talked about closing. CODA. CODA. And it's just like, why are you closing all these pipelines Two Reasons one is going to increase the price of gas, also, just more dangerous. They were showing, uh, on, I think it was on Fox Business, was watching last week, and showing some of the major accidents that they've had over the years with rail cars moving oil. It's not like, oh, done with oil, doing you know, green energy. Um, so again, you're going to have another major accident, and I think if that happens, they need to blame it on the current administration because you shut this stuff down.
2: Well, and kind of getting. A little off topic here, but kind of – no, it's still on topic – is what happens too is now you're taking transportation away from other areas. So instead of using the pipeline, there's a gentleman actually uh, that lived near the Dakota pipeline. He was part of the agriculture group saying this is going to hurt. Grocery stores. This is going to hurt food companies because now the food companies, they have to pay more for transportation costs because there's more competition in the transportation market because oil is now going to be transported by truck. It's going to be transported by rail. So now you're taking away potential uh, supply for those transportation methods. So it's going to drive inflation in in various areas, not just when we're talking about oil prices and gas prices as well.
1: And and I I would – I'll say this, and people will probably laugh. I would hope that the administration would be a little bit smarter and kind of think this out. This thing that well, wait—if we close the pipeline, won't that cause more demand for tra- rail and truck because we need to transport even more goods because the economy is growing? Do you think they even thought about that? <laughs> no, I'm laughing. So no, I'm, I'm, obviously they did not. Like, yeah, it, yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, I wish they would. Think about that, I I guess, what it is.
2: I mean, just my my forecast, too, on this. I mean, we we talk about – as you just talked about gas prices here. I mean, it's really crept towards $4 a a gallon here in San Diego. And I was actually down in uh, Carmo Valley or Del Mar – Right. del sur area and uh i drove by this gas station and it was like four dollars and 15 cents i was like oh my gosh like it's yeah. it's crazy and i think the average well, that, right now is because you live in the richie neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> no i don't <laughs> but it's around like 370 i want to say right now in the san diego average i wouldn't be surprised to see the average here in san diego at four within the next few months oh and I- above four Within the next year. Yeah, I, I would say summertime, you'll
1: see it, you know, probably at four, unfortunately. And again, here in California, San Diego, because of reasons and so forth. Phone numbers, you got a question on a stock that you hold, looking at buying, selling, or holding, an investment question. Going to open the phone lines, 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. And Chase, we talked about it, we didn't post on it, we didn't do it anywhere was the big contract that uh, Tatis, is that what you say his name? the oh, baseball player? Tatis. What is it?
2: Fernando Tatis.
1: Tatis. Uh, that there was a very interesting thing behind the scenes that no one seemed to know about was it was called the BLA. It's a, a big league association. It's a fund where they put money into this fund, and what happens is that they kind of buy out the contract in the future and say, look, you're a minor league player now. Uh, We're going to advance you a million dollars. If you sign the big league, uh, you got to pay us like 8% back or something like that. Well, he had that contract, and they don't know the details. They wouldn't give it out, but they estimate that of that $360 million contract, he owes somewhere around $28 million to this big (laughs) big league uh, fund. And again, it's something people can invest in, and, and, and now they're getting a lot of attention. Oh, that doesn't sound fair and so forth. They go, wait a minute. What about the minor league players that we paid a million dollars for and they never made it? Yeah. So it, it, it is something that you take. And uh, there was one major player that tried to back out of it. And they said, "No, it's a contract. Can't do it."
2: I mean, it, it. Hopefully, you took that million dollars and did something with it. You know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, many of them probably do not do that. Right. But if you actually invest it, maybe you come out ahead many times. So it's 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 almost like an insurance policy, or um, you know, just kind of looking at different things, saying. Yeah, I think you're going to be worth this in the future, and you know, if you don't, well, now we have to kind of make sure we cover our bases, (laughs) and some of them are going to hit, and some of them aren't. I mean, I I kind of would compare it almost to a drug company as well. They get all this backlash, and it's like, wait a minute, what about all the drugs that we invested in, went through the FDA approval, and then phase three came, and we didn't get it through? Right. And You you don't hear about all those drugs and all the money that was spent on those drugs. You just hear about the drugs, well, they make a 50% profit margin on that drug. Yeah. Yeah, it's because- they lost money on 10 other drugs. So it's kind of the same thing. Is You hear about it when Tatis gets the big deal, but what about, you know, Joe Smith over here that they paid a million dollars and he sucked. Yeah, he know? sucked and he never made the
1: big leagues. And, and again, and, and, and that's, that's the risk. It's kind of like a futures contract. You're paying for the future of something to happen. But I just thought it was interesting in baseball that, uh, and, again, I, and, again, great player here in San Diego and so forth, big news, big contract, and so forth. But he signed that deal, and I, I forget when it was. We go, we'll maybe do a post on it uh, next week. But I think it was like a, a year or two ago. He's a pretty young guy. Um,
2: yeah, he's just young. I think he's like 21, 22 or yeah, something. Yeah, now. yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, but, yeah. Um, so, again, just kind of interesting. So many things in investing. I would never invest in that fund, by the way. Don't don't think like, oh, I'm going to gonna invest in that fund. But it's just interesting to uh, see that here in San Diego.
2: Yeah, he's 22.
1: 22. So he okay.
2: probably signed that deal when he was like 18, nineteen. 18, 19.
1: You're right. Yeah. So, all righty. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I,
2: I sorry, I, we changed topics and I was looking at the oil prices and, uh, yeah. you know, I was doing reading on another one of our companies this past week and it's a refiner. And it, it, it was interesting how they were talking about they weren't able to really capitalize on the decline in oil prices and benefit from it as much because all oil prices decline. We talk about WTI, we talk about Brent, but there's so many different types. of. You have your sour crude and your light sweet crude. And what they were saying was there was no differential between, you know, really refining those. And this refiner in particular, they actually benefit when those divert because they have the capability of generating, you know, good gasoline from whatever that input is so they're actually very optimistic here with rising oil prices because they're going to start to get that spread between light and sour crude which should be a big benefit to them so it's always interesting kind of seeing how the oil market can impact you know companies in different ways
1: yeah yeah we we talk about oil is used in asphalt on roads perfumes Chemicals, many different things. So it's not just in cars. Obviously, cars. And what we haven't seen yet: the cruise lines still are not cruising very much. I think maybe in Europe a little bit, but not majorly. Uh, air airlines still not doing the major flights. So we we could see in the summertime a huge uh, demand. Oh, but wait, we shut down the pipeline. <laughs> that was a smart move. All right, <laughs> let's move on here. Uh, again, phone number is eight six six five seven seven. Two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And actually, people on Facebook and Instagram can see like when we're kind of chatting here. I'm kind of sitting back, kind of relaxing. Now I got to sit up straight because we got to take the calls. So <laughs> I was say before
2: we take the calls too, and, and you know, people that are listening on on the air, um, if you're on Facebook, what what we're doing this week is something kind of different. Is if you actually share our video, oh yeah, on Facebook. You know, okay. and see if Brent turned the people on the camera yeah. here. And then the back, yeah. <laughs> the back of it. Yeah. <laughs> if you actually share our video right now, you're watching on Facebook, watching on Instagram, you share that out to, to your followers, we'll actually send you a, a free t shirt yep. that, uh, that Brent's wearing. I was actually going to wear my t shirt today, and I called you this morning, <laughs> and I put it on, and I'm like, it's, it's kind of short. I lifted my arms, and I was like, this is just not Fitting right, and you're thinking, wait a minute, I'm getting bigger here. (laughs) Did I get taller? No, that didn't happen. But, uh, you know, so I look on and say, so ladies' large, not a men's
1: large. Which is important to bring up. I mean, it it wasn't good for you this morning, but again, we do have men's large and ladies' large. So I guess we have ladies' and men's sizes. So we we try to get both. And I don't know how many quantities we have of each. But again, there is ladies' sizes and men's sizes. So, and and again, I got, they're very smooth. They're they're very nice. They're they're same material as like Under Armour and stuff. Yeah, they are. So they're they're nice.
2: T-shirts. Yeah. So, so be sure to share our video there, and uh, uh, we'll We're contact on. you to, to share yeah. to share our shirts I can with you. That.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, let's let's get let's back to on the on. calls then. Alrighty, let's go out to San Diego and speak with Anthony. Anthony, you're on the Smart with Brent Chase. How can we help you?
3: Hi. Hi, good morning. I was calling to get your take on a stock ticker. Um, well, company Virgin Galactic, the symbol SPCE. I'm new to this, so this is more of a beginner question. But growth potential and space exploration by private industry with the advent of the space force, these things are just interesting to me. So I checked out their stock chart, and it looked like it it shot up pretty good lately. And I just want to get your take. What types of things should I be looking for?
1: Okay, and Anthony, you have not invested in this yet, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, okay. yeah. So, and, and it is a different type of investing. It's what we were talking about early in the show. I don't know when you tuned in, but it is growth investing. And and this, the, you know, space is the the new frontier, which actually I think that's been said for 40 years, but it is a new frontier. Uh, things will be changing. Things will be happening. Uh, the thing we don't know is Virgin Galactic, the company that's going to make it or not. Uh, and what concerns me is I know uh, more uh, people can sign up now to go into space. What happens, and this will happen, unfortunately, when the first one explodes and regular civilians, you know, are, are in that explosion. So, but let's look at the company and and you can make that decision on yourself. Uh, coming again is Virgin Galactic Holdings Incorporated, symbol is SPCE. Uh, no PE ratio because they have no earnings at this point in time. Uh, the industry does have a PE ratio of 2,800. Price of sales, 2,170 versus 1.8 for the industry. They have a good book value. It's, it's a 12 times. Industry is nothing. So that's the first positive I've seen. No press of cash flow because they have no cash flow at this time either. Uh, We do see here that they have uh, no sales growth. Uh, Earnings growth is a negative 447 versus negative 97 for the industry. What I do like about Virgin Galactic, because if you're going to buy these companies, they've got to have staying power. Well, they've got a very strong balance sheet. They've got a current ratio of 6.8 versus 1.5 and no debt. Uh, so that's really going to help out because they're not worried about, well, you said it's going to take two years. It's now been three years. You got all this debt. We're going to call in the debt. So that's one positive with this company. They have no debt. We do see return on equity a negative 59 versus a positive 0.2 for the industry. Uh, I love this net profit margin a negative 10,000 versus a positive 0.07. No receivable, no inventory or turnover. Chase, I doubt they have any earnings going forward. What are you seeing now?
2: Oh, to start is. Pretty surprised by this. The current price now for Virgin Galactic is thirty-seven dollars and twenty-three cents. They took quite a hit yesterday. It looks like they reported earnings. Curious what happened there. But they were down about twelve. percent They reported earnings yesterday. yesterday? Uh, yeah, February
1: twenty-fifth. That was yesterday, right? Uh, yeah, I think so, or maybe maybe uh, two days ago.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, either way, they were down twelve percent yesterday. Um, and the fifty-two week range here. I mean, they were were a low of nine dollars and six cents, but I didn't know it got as high as sixty-two dollars and eighty cents. So it's it's really come down from that. But uh, looking forward here, Anthony, I I, I go out to 2022. And, of course, they're still estimated to lose 45 cents per share. So we can't really derive a target sell price from that. And as Brent kind of said, I mean, this company, it's pure speculation. Is this going to be, you know, the Amazon or the Apple of, um, you know, space travel? Maybe. Or is it going to be the Microsoft Zune that just sucks and goes away (laughs) (laughs) it's it's hard to tell and i mean this is just a real speculative investment it's exciting because it's in the space kind of field and it's very futuristic but um it's it's a gamble at this point without you know real kind of business revenue and earnings it's hard to tell what this business is going to be 10 years from now
1: yeah and and again what could happen here as well anthony you you could put a thousand dollars into it and 10 years from now that could be worth a hundred thousand dollars or it could be worth zero. Um, And and that's what you just don't know, because there's going to be a lot of players, and and I'm starting to see more already that are starting to come into this field. Uh, You just don't know who's going to be the
2: winner. Yeah, and I know, like, Jeff Bezos, I don't know if he does this particular, but, like, Blue Origin, you know, he was kind of getting more in the space field. Obviously, Elon Musk has SpaceX, and, you know, those types of guys that obviously Jeff Bezos kind of removed himself from Amazon a little bit more to focus on his passion projects, which it could be something that, you know, could compete with Virgin Galactic. So there could be you know a lot of players in here which all of a sudden 10 years virgin galactic just doesn't have the technology to compete with those people and it's just hard to tell given the current environment yeah
1: yeah so uh very speculative uh you may have the same chances going to vegas maybe better in vegas than this one here but if it's something that sounds like you really like this this whole space exploration and so forth uh it might be kind of a neat investment for you because if it does well you're going to be very very happy all right anthony Great. Thanks. I appreciate your perspective. All right. Thanks for calling. You have a good one. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. All righty. That does open the phone line. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And we got a note here on Facebook. Do you see the note on Facebook, Chase? Uh, Yes. Okay. Yeah. About from Robert? Yes. Uh, Robert on Facebook. If a company you own, I think means got bought out in stock transaction do you combine balance sheets to do the
2: evaluations? Oh, yeah. So if it, rather than a company buys cash for that company, they do an all stock deal—is what he's kind of asking, Mm -hmm. how do you kind of evaluate that?
1: Um, well, a lot to, this is a a very long answer. I'll try to keep it short. I mean, one thing too, you got to first off look at, okay, if two companies are combining, what we will do is that say we own one of the companies. Well, Many times that stock will go up and we'll just sell it yeah. because it surpasses the target sell price. But if they were to combine, you would combine all those, but it would only happen after the companies are combined. And then you're going to all the assets and everything is going to be just like one company anyway. So I'm not sure if I'm answering this question or not. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess the hard thing to look at is there's so many details that go into it. I mean, you look at the Fox Disney merger years ago. I mean, that was a very complicated deal. And it's because you have these two large companies you're combining into one. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of moving parts there. I mean, generally what I would tell people to kind of do as a, a base for the research is, as like I said, a lot of times we'll end up selling that company just because it's like, well, you know, it's not really worth holding anymore. It shot up 30%. I don't know if I want the new stock from the company because it's going to be diluted anyways. Right. So there's a lot more kind of moving parts there. So if you get a big bump, a lot of times we're out. But if that does occur... I would say start by looking at the balance sheets, number one, of both companies. The company you own has a terrible balance sheet, and the company that acquired <laughs> has a terrible balance sheet. Well, that's not a good place to be. You can't get two bads make one good. <laughs> exactly. But if your company has a bad balance sheet and the acquiring company has a good balance sheet, ah, maybe there's some optimism there. But if the company has a bad balance sheet already, then there's no point in holding it. So I would just say kind of looking at each one in a singular fashion would be a good starting point. And then also if the new acquiring company has, you know, overvaluations, I'd say, of course, sell that stock because that's going to be the stock that you're getting from this transaction. So I I would say start there, but maybe they both have really good fundamentals and the other company that's doing the acquisition is not overvalued. I would then say maybe be patient with it and then kind of sift through the details over time and then get out. But I mean, there's there's no real answer on it. This is what you have to do every time. It's going to have to be a lot of reading to understand the true details of that deal.
1: And, and that's the key every time because every time it's different. I will say right now during this market, um, I think more than likely they're going to be overpaying for the, the acquiring company uh, and, and you're probably just going to sell that company that you hold. So uh, I guess the other side too, if you have a company that is doing the acquisition, you might have to look at that company saying, well, wait a minute here. What are they paying for this? Um, this is going to put our company into a major debt situation. Yeah. So you, so many different things to look at. I mean, that, that's what we tell people when, when we buy a, 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 a company, when we invest in a company, a, an equity, we actually talk about uh, the 10, 15, 20 hours of research. There's so much to do on that to really understand the businesses because you don't want to get blindsided. like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know they're going to take on $10 billion of debt. And now they, they have told to the creditors, you know, two years later, you want to know that stuff before it happens. So. Yeah. Alrighty. Phone number is eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Robert. Robert, you're on the Smart vessel Brent Chase. How can we help you?
4: Yeah. Good morning, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. How are you doing? Yes. Good, pretty good. And uh, my question is a, uh, I guess, general investment question. The the scenario here that I'm I'm seeing. I'm not I'm not an economist, but Kind of intuitively, I'm. I is, would you concur? I'm seeing a lot of indicators that possibly point the economy in the in the direction at the end of August, at the end of summer, towards a stagflation situation. Uh, you know, uh, that would be a recession combined with higher commodity prices, inflation, the recession caused by the consumers not. You know, backing off because interest rates probably are going to also go up because uh, the bond market is is inching up, and already the commodity index are going up. In January, they're starting. Every, I don't know. Is that uh, any? What do you? What's your opinion? Stagflation by September? I, 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 we could have that, but
1: I don't think it'd be that early. I, I think in September we're still going to be benefiting the the uh, all these uh, opening of the economy all this money coming in. Again, we talk about there's still almost $20 trillion in liquid money in the sidelines, and I still believe that people are antsy to go out. I was so disappointed. I went out to uh, Fashion Valley last night. Closed store, a closer closed Stores are closing like at 7 o'clock. Uh, can't find a place to eat because, oh, you can only eat outside. Still in almost March here. So I still think there's more to come. 2022 could be a different scenario, Robert, but I always tell people right now I'm focused on 2021. It's still early in the year. I'll probably yeah. start looking more at 2022 and uh, probably September, October. But it, it, it will – I think it could very well come, but I don't see it yet. Can't tell you when. Rethink, it, Jason. Yeah,
2: I mean the other thing too is we we know that there's a $1.9 trillion stimulus in the works. Yeah. Um, if that's going to hold true in its fashion, <laughs> that's yet to be seen. But we know, as Brent said, there's a lot of money in the economy, which I think consumers are going to spend for – The rest of this year, I I think that's going to be a
1: problem. And Jason, remember, consumers have been paying down their debt as well. So another positive.
2: Yeah, been paying down their debt. A lot of their assets are higher. You see good home prices, good equity Mm -hmm. prices. So people have a lot of optimism, I guess, about their personal situations at this time. So I think 2021 is safe. I I don't think we'd see recession this year. I, I still think 2022 is going to be an okay year for the economy. The stock market, I'm not too sure on yet, though. And then 2023, I think, is when you could see some problems. I I think at that rate, we'd have kind of all the inflation baked in. I don't think we'd have runaway inflation at that point. So I I I don't know. It's tough to kind of predict out, but that's just kind of my feelings on on where things are headed given the current kind of statistics and and the current economic state. Yeah.
1: And, and Robert, I would say uh, when you're investing – you do want to focus on what you're investing into, what you're paying for things, because these storms will come up. And that's why you want to make sure you got good businesses, good equities in your portfolio, because they'll weather the storm. But if you're being too speculative, they may not weather stag inflation if we have it. So always stick to investing in good quality businesses because it can weather those storms. And sometimes actually benefit uh, if inflation goes up. Your business may have a benefit to that. Especially so. if it's a food company. Food company.
4: There you go. So. Okay. Thank you very much. Great. All right. Thanks for Have calling, Robert. Have a great Robert. day. Bye-bye. You thank too. you. You're welcome. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Uh, that does open on the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473.
2: You know, I, I was reading this morning that there's a, a small business optimism survey that was done. And this is actually what worries me more than anything is it was the lowest since, like, 2013. Really? Yeah, and I want to find the numbers on it. It was a very brief article that I read, so I want to get that because a lot of people, they talk about the big companies and this and that and things doing well, but they don't realize small businesses operate, I think, like 60% or employ about 60% of people. Right. If they're not feeling good, that's where things are not going to make the big news outlets, but that's where I think a lot of rumblings could actually dictate future problems. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's kind of why we talk about not being concerned so much this year. But in a couple of years, I I think we could have some problems.
1: You know, if I was governor of California, that was what I would focus on. (laughs) I would focus on small businesses because I think they have been hurt the most. And I think that would really, and and again, I I know what our governor wants to do. He wants to raise taxes. I wouldn't want to raise taxes. I'd want to keep taxes the same, help out the small businesses because that's going to bring in more revenue. So uh, but you're right, small businesses, there are some mom-and-pop stores that are just like really hurting, uh, and and hopefully some some are
2: gone probably. Well, I mean they, they talk about – in that article I was reading, was talking about, well, yeah, so you closed us down. Now you want to increase the minimum wage of 50. We can't <laughs> afford that. I mean there, right. there's all these problems that, and increase the regulations that a lot of big companies – I mean you talk about regulations. They, they hurt the small businesses more because the big companies, they have their lawyers on staff. They can yeah. – okay, they'll they'll look into that problem. <laughs> Well, if you're a small business owner, you are the lawyer. You are the (laughs) operator. You're the salesperson. You're this and that. You do everything in the small business. They can't afford all these increasing regulations. So, I mean, it's – I don't want to spend too much time on it, but that that is a concern of mine is if small businesses do start to have problems, that's where – I mean, kind of as Robert talked about. Yeah. Is the economy, the consumers, now they're not starting to feel as good because, I said, 60% of people, well, they're employed by small businesses. So now all of a sudden, sixty percent of the population aren't getting pay raises. Maybe we're getting laid off because the small business can't afford them anymore. That's where you could start to see potential stagflation. Right. And didn't we have a
1: rather large company move from California to Texas? So it's not just the small ones; it's the large ones as well. I think it was uh, one. There was a few. Well, yeah. Well, I'd say no, Tesla, Hewlett Packard.
2: Yeah. Just
1: want to bring up Brendan's favorite company, Tesla. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Hewlett Packard. Yeah. So so and again so. You're destroying the economy by charging more. You should actually uh, appreciate and praise these businesses because that's what creates the economy. I I just never get the the thing of just tax more, tax more, tax more. No, and then people are leaving as well. Yeah, so, but alrighty. Well, speaking, oh, go ahead. Here. I was
2: going to say too. I mean, uh, keep kind of getting a, a question from uh, Kim about equities and okay. it's a very very simple question. So I just want to answer that. She asked what an equity is. And this is so important for kind of newer listeners and uh, people that are new to investing because people aren't familiar with the term equity. Yep. All an equity is, is it's a stock. We're talking about the big stocks like, you know, Apple, Amazon, mm-hmm. Tesla, Microsoft. Those are equities or stocks. But we call them equities for a very important reason. I'll let you explain that. Oh, I, <laughs> oh you do know, don't,
1: well, 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 no, because you're uh, ownership of the business. And it's kind of like in your home, you have equity. That's a good thing. When you buy a stock, it's an equity because you actually own that business. And that's why we tell people you own a small piece of a very large company, and it changes your attitude from being an owner to a gambler with a stock.
2: Yeah, and it's just because people, when they talk about the stock market, they talk about buying and trading stocks. You Mm -hmm. just generated this negative connotation with, oh, stocks are risky. So we like to refer to it as, again, an equity. It's the same thing. But it's just a different mindset when you look at an equity as an ownership in that right. business rather than like, oh, well, the stock price increased 5% and then down 2%. It's like that's day trading. That's trading stocks. Right. We're buying equities for the long term. Right,
1: right. And and uh, it's just, again, the, the mental thing that you're looking at uh, being an owner versus a gambler. So uh, that's why you call them equities. So hope that helped out. What was her name? I see she's gone. Uh, Kim. Kim. So Kim, I hope that helped out. If not. Send us another question on Facebook. <laughs> we'll, we'll answer it for you. All righty. Uh, phone number is 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Before we go to John, let's turn to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Doing well. Calling you from Porterville, California this morning. Hey, How do you get to travel? Last weekend in, in uh, Arizona, I think a few weeks ago Las Vegas, now Porterville, California. Well, I went to Vegas once, but okay. Yeah, you were the one that was in Vegas, not me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and
2: then next week he's going somewhere too. Wait a minute. But wait,
1: not, not me. That's right. I'm just a traveling,
0: man. But it was funny. Uh, before the show, I was Porterville is kind of in the middle of nowhere, so I was calling everybody in my address book to test out my reception and the best <laughs> place to stand before I call, and nobody answered. So that's reassuring to know that if I ever needed help, that nobody would answer their <laughs> phones
1: that I'm trying to call. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, hopefully we won't lose you then if it's a bad signal, but uh, what, what are we talking about this morning here? So this morning I wanted to
0: talk about health savings accounts. Um, I, I think this is something important for everyone to understand because not that many people know how they work. Not to be confused with a flexible spending account, but a health savings account is, is what it is. And so, essentially, it's an account that was designed for healthcare expenses. Um, so any out-of-pocket costs that you might have relating to healthcare or medical care—that's what this account is used for. However you can contribute to these accounts and make tax-deductible contributions to them like you would an IRA or a 401k and then once money is contributed into this health savings account it grows tax-deferred so if there's any dividends or capital gains or interest that's all tax-deferred and then if you withdraw that money um, and you use it for medical expenses you can withdraw it tax-free like a Roth so it's kind of a a triple benefit from a tax perspective and then meanwhile you usually have some investment options inside that account so over time you can you can grow it so it's really an important um, investment vehicle that uh, again I think not enough people know about
1: and you know Harrison this came out I believe from George Bush Jr. I guess he was a junior Uh, yes that's right in
0: 2003
1: yeah Mm -hmm. and I thought this was the most fantastic thing ever and I don't know if people just misunderstood or whatever, but gosh, you, you, you get to put money into the HSA, it can grow for you. You get the tax deduction for it. I mean, there's so many benefits, as you point out. I don't know why this didn't take off because, I, again, at our firm, we do use the HSA program. I don't know why everybody doesn't do it. I, I just don't get it.
0: I, oh, I, I don't get it either. I think a lot of times it's just people don't know what they are because whenever I'm working with people, I ever ask, you know, do you have a health Or yeah, health savings account. People ask, "What is that?" I I don't know what that is, and you know, it's best if if it offer if it's offered through your employer, like with our plan, because not only are the contributions then tax deductible, but if it's run through uh, payroll, it's also pre. Social Security and Medicare tax, so that's an additional seven point six five percent deduction on the contribution there. So it's it's a huge benefit to have these things. And you're right, I don't know why they're not more popular. Yeah,
1: and I, I think people just don't understand it. And I, I know some people I've talked to, are like, well, but I don't want to have to pay. I want I want my employer to pay, or I, or I want a low deductible. I want all these things, and they're missing the benefits that they're getting because they're they're short sighted looking at. Well, I I want a twenty dollar copay. I don't I don't want to have to pay it myself. So okay. yeah,
0: and.
2: I was yeah, going to go say, ahead, the Dave. other thing, too, Harrison, is, I mean, I mean, talk about when you get to retirement. I mean, the things you can use this on is phenomenal. I mean, you save up and there you got, you know, $100,000, let's say, in your HSA. I mean, you can use that when your medical expenses generally get much higher.
0: Yeah. And that's what I always recommend to people is, you know, you can withdraw from these accounts at any time for medical expenses, but it's much better to keep the money in there, let it grow over time, and then use it in retirement. Because number one, there's always going to be medical expenses in retirement with Medicare premiums or out-of-pocket costs or elder care, whatever it is. But then number two, once you turn 65, it basically turns into an IRA where if you would draw it and use the money for non-medical purposes then it's it's just taxed at ordinary income like an ira is however like i said there's usually medical expenses in retirement so all those withdrawals would be tax-free
1: you know i should do someday have uh, you and uh my good friend and who does our uh, medical insurance and jason carrillo uh, actually talk about that because i would love to say get more people into those
2: yeah and i, I do want to point out somebody brought it up on facebook i, I... I think it is important to have the disclosure in there that uh, it does have to be a high deductible plan. So don't think you can get the best insurance policy (laughs) and you can use the HSA. No, that's not true.
0: I did want to mention one thing about that. So as Brent said, um, this started during the Bush administration. It was back in 2003. It started in 2004. But you're right. It has to be a high deductible plan. But what's kind of nice is over the the past several years, the requirement to be a high deductible plan, the dollar amount hasn't really increased that much. So hmm. the deductible amount for a single person is $1,400, which really isn't that high for a, for a yearly deductible. And then for a family, it's $2,800. So as long as your plan has a deductible at least of those limits, then that is considered high deductible. So it's not like a six or seven thousand dollar deductible that you have to get over.
1: And then Harrison, how much can they put into the plan or into the HSA?
0: So if you are under 55 and you have a single plan, you can put 3,600. If you're um, over 55, it jumps up to 4,600. So an extra thousand dollars. And then if you have a family plan, it's 7,200 and 8,200, depending whether you're over or under 55. So it's not a huge amount, but I mean, if you contribute to that for a few years by retirement, like Chase said, you could have a one hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in there, which would cover all of your medical expenses and be tax free after all that growth.
1: Yeah, it, it just makes a lot of sense to me. Again, uh, uh, that deductible is not that high, but yeah, you can put what thirty six hundred in. You said forty nine hundred, whatever, whatever. Yeah, much much more that way. And
2: yeah. if your employer is nice, maybe they'll put some in there for you too. Hey, I, yeah, I do that. That's right. <laughs> And, uh, Harrison, I I know we talked a little bit about this yesterday, and, you know, we've talked about how lovely the gas prices are here in California. I feel like there's something (laughs) you wanted to add on that as well, right?
0: So, as I mentioned, uh, contributions are pre-tax, but actually California is one of two states, the other is New Jersey, that does not recognize HSAs. (laughs) So essentially what that means is contributions are not deductible for the state income taxes, um, if you have any dividends, interest, or capital gains, those are taxable in the year they occur, and then withdrawals um, are, are not tax-free. So it, it's basically a regular investment account as far as the state of California is
1: concerned. Okay, that's it. I'm running <laughs> for governor. I'm not going to put up with this any longer, this craziness that the, the people in California had to put up with. Brent for governor. I like it. All right. yeah. <laughs> Harrison, thank you very much. Uh, enjoy your time up there. And what was it again? Porterville. 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 So, sounds been, like a happening place.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm actually on a kind of a farm right now. I'm between between Bakersfield and Fresno, um, so there's some cows and some horses and some chickens all around me. So. <laughs> you going to milk the cows today? <laughs> actually, those are beef cows, so we're going to slaughter those at some point. Oh. Not today, but
1: eventually. <laughs> okay, take some pictures. <laughs> yeah,
2: Bring back some beef.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. All right, guys. Talk to you Monday. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Uh, again, that's Harrison Johnson, our financial planner. Great to have a conversation with him. The conversation is free. Give him a call at their office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And also contact him, too, on our website. Go to smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And, again, great to have a conversation with him. And also, too, I think you'll benef- benefit uh, financially as well. So, all right, phone numbers here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, hi, guys. Good
5: morning. Um, the, the stock I'm looking at is Dow Chemical.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, it said stock question. Did you not uh, give Brendan the uh, stock
3: uh, it cut out, and I and we were getting like calls like crazy, and now they all hung up too. It, so. Uh,
1: so, John, was that it was it? Dow for, for Dow Chemical,
5: right? Dow, yeah, okay.
2: Not to be uh, confused with the Dow Jones, but that's right. <laughs> Dow that's Chemical, right.
1: <laughs> and, and and John, I think you said you hold that, correct?
5: Right, I hold it, and I've been a holder for for many years.
1: Okay, yeah, and and I think, and you are a good example of a long term investor. Uh, you you've done this for many years. I would love to have you tell what you've done and so forth. That's your, your private information. But it has it has worked out well for you, has it not?
5: Yeah, very good. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. Let's look at Dow Chemical symbol is D O W. Uh PE ratio sixteen point two versus thirty-six. Price to sales three point five. That is higher than the industry at two point four. We do see price to book value eleven point two. Very good because the industry twenty-six point six. And then, price of cash flow does look expensive, 27, about double the industry at 13. Uh, they do not pay a dividend. It looks like they did at one point, but they've actually cut that dividend. Uh, we do see that uh, their sales year over year were up 21.6%. The industry is down 8.2, so you like seeing that. Same thing with earnings per share uh, year over year for the last 12 months, up 12.2. Industry fell by 11.4 balance sheet got a good balance sheet here current ratio 1.2 versus 1.6 debt to equity 71 versus 82 return to equity 17.3 above the industry at 11 net profit margins checks in at 6.9 versus 6.6 and then receivable turnover 8.4 versus 6.2 inventory turnover 5.8 versus 5.4 love these valuation ratios love these uh, numbers here what do you got for the uh, earnings going forward chase
4: yeah, well,
2: interesting as well, I see on Yahoo Finance, for some reason it wasn't didn't have a target sell price on Reuters, so I, I did look at Yahoo. But it does show a forward dividend yield of 4.7%, so I'd want to look into that. Maybe they pause it and announce they're bringing that dividend back, yeah. which, hey, that'll okay. be great news for you there, John. Uh, but looking at the yep. uh, 52-week range here for Dow Chemical, it has a low of $21.95, high of $63.98, and that current price is $59.31. Now, I got to 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share of $3.62. Unfortunately, that would give us a target sell price of just $60.09. So it seems like a lot of that valuation is pretty much in there. It seems to be a, a fairly valued company. Might have a little bit more room, of course. We never sell at the absolute top, but it, it is trading at a fair valuation. I, I wouldn't say it's undervalued by any means at this point. And the other thing, too, on, on chemical companies, I believe one of their largest input costs is oil. Yeah. So I, I would want to understand how much is that going to impact the business as we do, or if we do, as we believe, see rising oil prices. Yeah. And, and, and mm-hmm. this is the
1: type of company I like to buy. Uh, it's just not a good time to buy it now. Uh, again, we will have some pullback, but uh, I mean, you hold it already. I, th- I think it's still a hold. Uh, but it's just a great yeah. business. And uh, uh, one thing I don't know—we have oh, time right. to look at it. But what are the products that they have? I think it's a multitude of many, many different products that we use probably almost every day. So. <laughs>
5: Well, one thing i've always learned in the chemical industry is that uh, chemical companies are just cash generating machines uh-huh. and um you know dividends are are normally very secure with them and um they just they, they they just keep keep moving on but normally specialty chemicals and petroleum they move in an inverse relationship so i've always had a nice mix in in the petroleum business and normally when that's up chemicals are, go down and when chemicals go up petroleum declines so you know it's kind of a nice smooth revenue stream
1: yep and i did look at the cash flow last year they generated 9.3 billion dollars in cash so you like companies that generate cash that's one right there well john good pick there hold yeah. on to it not gonna tell you get rid of it <laughs> you got it thanks, thanks. for calling thanks. Bye-bye. bye-bye do you have something chase
2: no, I, oh, was gonna I, say, I, I was just kind of looking at uh, some of the things they do. I guess you brought that up. So we're, we're kind of pushing up against the hour there anyway. So, yeah, Dow, what they actually do is they operate through packaging and specialty plastics, uh, industrial intermediaries, and infrastructure, and then performance materials and coding segments. So they do have kind of a diverse uh, industry groups that they work with. And I also like that they're in the infrastructure space as well. Uh, of <clears throat> course, they don't go out and build the buildings, but the chemicals can be used in the buildings there. And, you know, it's just again, another point of how many different ways petroleum can be used and turned into different <laughs> products. But uh, here we are. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, as John kind of said, I do like that he sounds like paired essentially the oil companies with the chemical companies, because what that does is not everything's going to move up at once. And we always tell our clients, is in your portfolio, not everything is going to be a winner no. at once. That's just not the reality of investing. So it's kind of a nice balance there. And you're getting a nice yield with this company. It, it's definitely a a good strategy that he's kind of enacted there, and John
1: brought up a good point too, and we've talked about this that not everything goes down at the same time. And he made the perfect example that they use petroleum. So when petroleum goes up, yeah, they probably pull down a little bit, but petroleum goes down, they probably go up because their expenses go down. So you can have a balance in a portfolio having equities. You don't have to say, "Oh, I got to have some bonds. I got to have some gold. I got no." You can balance a portfolio with equities because they do. React differently to different things that uh, again, commodities are a big thing that can move your company. Yep. So, speaking of commodities, uh, I, I did want to talk about uh, solar systems because again, uh, Clayco Electric uh, installed my system. Gosh, uh, about a year or so ago. Uh, Clay did a great job. Low expenses on it didn't cost me very much. And I'm telling you, if you like value investing, you will like using a value investment in solar with Clayco Electric. Uh, give Clay a call. He is a good friend of mine. Uh, six, one, nine, nine, seven, one, two, seven, nine, nine. That's six, one, nine, nine, seven, one, two, seven, nine, nine. Be sure to tell him Brent Wilson sent you and you want that great deal that uh, he gave me as well. Uh, and again, solar makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, well, absolutely just, does. Yeah, and your new house that
2: you're getting, you actually have solar on it, right? My current one does as well, and I I love it. Yeah, yeah, it saves
1: a lot on the electricity there. So, and
2: I didn't have to pay for it because I rent. <laughs> I, know, I know. I wish my house had it
1: on, but uh, my, my <laughs> landlord won't put it on. <laughs> so, but um, uh, I, I can't believe it's nine o'clock already. What did this hour go? Uh, open. A uh, phone lines are all open. Uh, give us a call 866-577-2473. That's eight six six Do we have anything on Facebook for the next hour,
2: Chase? No. So, I mean, if you have something, a comment on on Facebook for us, we'll we'll be sure to pick that up. I I was going to say, I do know we had um, somebody message us on Facebook last week. We wanted to cover it. We forgot about it. So we will cover that when we come back from the break. It's Prudential. is the company we want to look at. I'm going to
1: check my folder because I think that's the one in there. So I'm glad you brought
2: that up. Yes. Yes. Because I know we said we'd cover it. And then we said, send us a message again because we'll probably forget about it. And we forgot about it. So we
1: want to cover it this week. We're going to cover <laughs> it when we first come back. All right. You are listening to Smart Investing Show with Brent and Chase. Phone num- numbers are open. Phone lines are open. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. We'll be right back after this quick break.
2: All righty. Well, uh, welcome back to the uh, second hour of the Smart Investing Show. Uh, obviously, always love doing it. Can't believe the first hour already went by here. Uh, as I said in the first hour, if you just joined us on Facebook or you listen, you have a Facebook, you want to actually take part where we're, if you share our, our live stream here, we'll actually contact you at the beginning of next week. Uh, send you out a Wilsey Asset Management t-shirt. So uh, be sure to, to contact us there on Facebook and, and share our, our live stream.
1: And here it is, right here. Actually, we had pictures. We put it with pictures with our, our office staff. Uh, they wore them. Actually, you know what? Chase looked a little bit a little bit better on them than me. I just kind of realized. I, <laughs> but but maybe I should have worn the ladies the large like you did. Maybe a little uh, bit. <laughs> I didn't fit great. So. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was gonna come in like, yeah, look how buff I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't been in the gym in a while. <laughs> oh, oh, it tore. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So we want to talk about uh, Prudential. Uh and I the guy's name is on the tip of my tongue. It's Larry. Uh, Larry, that's right, Larry. Uh and he, he had some good points on it. The symbol is P R U, correct? P R U, yes, that is okay. correct. Well, let's take a look. And hopefully Larry's listening because uh,
2: uh I know he listens regularly, so oh, I'm okay.
1: guessing he is. Okay. All right. So so we're gonna take a look at the prudential, financial, their symbol is P R U. Um now they just they report earnings for twelve thirty one twenty and I see no PE ratio, which surprises me. I thought for sure they would being an insurance company, but um, uh, industries at 11.5. We do see price of sales 0.6 versus 0.85. Price to book value 0.5 versus 0.75. That's good. Price of cash flow not looking too good here at all. It's 160 versus 4.8. Now, one thing nice here, they do pay a dividend of 5.3%, but they have no earnings to pay out that dividend. So you always got to question, could they cut that dividend and save cash? I, I don't think it's going to be going up, um, but I, I, I do worry when I see that they have no earnings to cover that dividend. Uh, we do see sales were down year-over-year 12.4%. Year uh, industry was down 48 Earnings per share for Prudential fell by 110, yet the industry fell by 18, so not looking as good as the industry here. Uh, we do see it's a financial company, so not the normal balance sheet. Uh, debt to equity is 31 versus 26. That is Okay. Return on equity is a negative 0.6. Industry is a positive 6.5. Net profit margin, negative 0.4 versus 7.4. No receivable inventory turnover. A lot of negatives here on my side. What do you see going forward, Jason?
2: Well, I did want to kind of address first the uh, no PE ratio. It is very mm-hmm. strange. It looks like maybe they sold a business unit, had a divestiture vest- or something, because their pre-exempt or non-gap earnings were $10.21 for 2020, but their gap earnings was a loss of a dollar. So there's hmm. something that, that happened there, maybe they had a write down or, or something of that nature. So I want to understand that to begin. But I do look at the current price here of $86.72, 52-week high, $91.61, and 52-week low, well, that's $38.62. I go out to December 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $12.78. I'll give us a huge target sell price of $212.15. Wow. So I mean, on a valuation basis, this looks phenomenal. And and one thing too, we've talked about these life insurance companies and insurance companies. I, I want to understand. I know they're pretty much life insurance, but I want to understand their their insurance segments. But we've talked initially. It's like, well, rising interest rates could hurt these insurance companies, but it would hurt the value of their portfolio. What it would actually do, though, is as interest rates rise, they get more income from it. We saw last year when the huge decline happened in interest rates, they weren't happy because their portfolio went up in terms of their value. They're like, we don't know how to cover these potential liabilities down the road because we don't have that income to kind of offset it. So they should actually be a benefactor from rising interest rates as well. Um, You said there's some questionable numbers there, so I'm not sure if that's enough to kind of offset it and, and make me excited about this company. Yeah, and I think the
1: numbers make it worthwhile to check into, but there's a lot more research to do on it to really understand how the business operates because, again, we, we do believe that most of the business comes from life insurance. I know they sell annuities, which are not right now for the company, can't be a good money maker with where interest rates are. Uh, I don't know how they do in the pensions. I know they have some on the equity side. I, I almost kind of, as I talk, I'm almost kind of worried maybe they're too diversified. I, I, I don't know. But it takes a lot more research, I think, to really look at this business because the numbers make it worthwhile, but we're not going to guarantee you're going to come up with a good thing. You could find things in the writing that, ooh, no, we don't invest in this business.
2: And the other thing, too, is I always get, it's like, wow, their target sell price is 100% or something. <laughs> I, I always get a little bit concerned with that. Generally, I like to find companies where the target sell price is like 30 to 50% above that current level. When it's like 100%, you have to wonder, is there something – wrong with this business. Right. I mean, sometimes let you know that the valuation, it's like wow, this is a great opportunity. Other times it's like it's cheap for a reason it's what we call a value trap. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Alrighty, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I thought we go back to Facebook. Uh we got two on Facebook. Do you have a preference which one do you want to go? You wanted to I filter? actually
2: did speak to Frederick yesterday on the the phone and he commented last week but had some issues with it so didn't get through his question so i think we should go to frederick uh his question is actually on a a w w well that's quite the
1: symbol you know i was talking to somebody yesterday and i haven't done this yet if we get some free time on the show i'm gonna do it because whenever i'm doing an explanation i always tell people yeah well you know like xyz company xyz company i always talk about xyz company i was wondering is there a symbol X, (laughs) Y, Z. Is there a company that has that symbol? So right now, let's take a look at Atlas Air Worldwide Holdings Incorporated. Uh, Symbol is A-A-W-W. Well, this is a pretty good start. P-E ratio, 4.2 versus not material for the industry. Price of sales looking good at 0.5 versus 0.7. Price to book value, 0.72 versus not material for the industry. And that tells me you're paying 72 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets of this company. That is a big positive. And price of cash flow, 2.3 versus 19. They do not pay a dividend, but their sales are up year-over-year, 17.2. Industry down 34. Earnings per share growth up 215%. Industry down 473. This company is really bucking the trend here. We do see a current ratio, 1.1 versus 0.5. Debt to equity, 102. I'm okay with that. It's a little bit high, but the industry is at 184. Return equity is 17.8 versus a negative 73. Net profit margin, 11.2 versus a negative 15.9. And I do see retail, re, uh, receivable turnover, 11.6 versus 8.7. Gosh, things over here are looking pretty good, Chase. I mean, I'm kind of hoping to see the same thing going forward with earnings. What, what are you seeing there?
2: Yeah, I mean, just to let people know as well is what the company actually does. They outsource aircraft and aviation operating services, uh, operates through three segments uh, ACMI, charter, and dry leasing. So if, if they're leasing something, I'm curious if that even impacts their balance sheet further. So they yeah. could actually have a very, very clean balance sheet with low operating debt if that is the case. I mean, 102% still not even that bad um, if they don't have you know that leasing portion that's affecting their balance sheet. So I, I do like that. Um, and actually, when I was speaking to Frederick yesterday, he brought up that uh, they do have – some planes or something with Amazon as well. So mm-hmm. uh, rather than Amazon buying the planes, they kind of outsource the planes, it sounds like, and the and the uh, the crew, because it sounds like they have the aviation operating crew as well. So it sounds like a pretty interesting company, especially we talk about transportation and how moving goods is so important right now. We talked a lot about furniture in the past. Yeah. I mean, if you're needing to move products, this company could be a, a good benefactor, especially for companies that don't have enough of a fleet at this current time. So I, I, I like the, the concept behind it. Current price, too, $55.13. 52-week high is $69.08. And that 52-week low, wow, $14.97. That had to be from the pandemic when yeah. <laughs> nobody's flying, nobody needs <laughs> planes. This is going to be a problem. But I look out to December 2022. I do see estimated earnings per share $7.74. Would give you a target sell price of $128.48. So that's a positive. The downside here, I look at the gap earnings. I just gave you the right. non-gap. The gap earnings for 2022 is just $3.35. So I, I want to understand what in the world is this company backing out from its gap earnings?
1: Yeah, because that's a big difference about $3 a share. You want to you understand, like, what is going on here? And again, I, I was going to say, hey, let's add this to our, our, our research list because I like what I'm seeing. I like what I'm hearing on this company. Uh, Trying to think, too, going forward. What would be a headwind for this company? Uh, you talk about Amazon using the planes and so forth. Would they ever say, oh, we're going to buy the planes? Uh, so you want to understand the negatives there. But I,
2: I raising
1: oil prices may be a, a thing that's going to hurt them. But the numbers really make it worthwhile. Maybe do a little more research on this company.
2: Yeah. I mean, it depends on the company too, is if, you know, they, they do the transportation. Well, sorry, we got to raise our prices because oil prices, they're not actually buying the oil as like an airline, let's say they could easily kind of pass that cost on to their their uh, customers. And that's a great point as well too. I would want to know where are their customers like FedEx are they, you know, UPS where right. you know, they're kind of slowly building up their own fleet as well where that could come at, down the road and, and kind of bite Atlas in, in the butt there because well, we don't need you anymore. We bought our own planes. Right. So kind of having that Value proposition, do they have enough of that to actually say, no, you don't need to buy your own plans because we do such a great job for you. Right, so right. It, it it's interesting. Um, I don't want to say yes or no on it just yet because there are some questions I have on it, but it's interesting. And, and two things I'd want to know. One, do they have one just major customer? Like is Amazon accounting
1: for 20% of their business? Don't know that, but I would understand. Do they have one customer just all for their business? And on their contracts, are their contracts long-term contracts where they have Amazon and maybe FedEx locked in for the next 10 years or those contracts coming up? Because that could change the the landscape very quickly on you. So, uh, But I I think it's worth the research because you got some good numbers, and that's hard to find these days.
2: Yeah, no, I I did just look up their their major customers as well because you do have to report any of your major customers if they occupy too much of their revenue. Uh, So 2020, the company had about $3.2 billion worth of revenue, and they're – largest customer appears to be dhl and they occupied just 563 million out of the 3.2 billion so that's not too big of a concern
1: Hmm. isn't that well that's that's uh is that more than 10 percent i mean it's more than
2: 10 percent yeah it's actually that's like 17 percent so i I, I guess you would need to look into that deal just to kind of see yeah but i i guess the big thing that and also too you think well amazon is in there are they like 9% 9% so they don't have to tell you that you know, right, right. right. so they're a major customer they're kind of bumping up against that, that threshold. I remember Apple had
1: that for a while maybe they still do to where they, they told their, their vendors you don't mention that you're with us and I guess they have to somehow legally but they couldn't really oh we're doing this with Apple and so forth they had to only do the bare minimum because Apple didn't want to I think obviously move those small companies saying oh you know Apple and you know and then their stock doubles in price because Apple is one of their, their big suppliers. Yeah. So, all righty, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And, Chase, I remember, I don't know I just popped my head, but I'm just thinking the things that we talk about are very helpful for financial students and so forth just starting. I remember years ago, and I forget the uh, professor's name. It was from USD. He recommended that his students listen to our show because of how much information we give and how deep we go and so forth So I just very really curious if we have like uh, finance students from San Diego State or from USD or whatever uh, listen to the show so just curious
2: I think we do I mean I know uh, we had we helped out a, a young lady from uh, there's a school in st. Louis washington i believe or yeah. wherever that school is i know it's a great school and she listened to the show and uh, sent us a letter asking if she could kind of come into the office and find out how we do more things and stuff so i know there are some younger people listening out there and we had another gentleman came in and he went to usc i think it was usc yeah, USC,
1: yeah. so we've had some great uh great uh, interns here so all right let's go out to san diego and speak with anthony anthony you're on the smart investor and brent chase how can we help you
3: Hey, uh, good morning, guys. Yeah, I'm um, interested in. Uh, well, for me, I'm considering it a defensive holding. It's called R I N G, and and uh, looking at kind of in the in the um, you know precious materials like copper, gold, silver. But rather than focus in one stock uh, and trying to do the research to find one like that, um, curious about your thoughts on something like an, like this, an exchange traded fund in that sector.
1: Okay, I'm gonna make sure I had the right one. I I'm not sure what the symbol ring has to do with iShares MSCI Global Gold Miners ETF. I thought (laughs) it was
2: going to be a diamond company or something. Or or (laughs) a a phone company or something. Yeah.
1: So I I don't know where that symbol came from. Um, I don't have the capability to pull up what's in that. I don't know if Chase uh, does or not. But I mean, uh, I I hear what you're saying. And I just got this question from somebody the other day Should we put, you know, like some precious metals in our portfolio? And I said, we Mm -hmm. we did that as a hedge, uh, I think now about a year or so ago, maybe, yeah, about a year ago. We, we made, uh, I don't know, 8% or so off that investment, but it, it, the idea sounds good, but it causes, in my opinion, it causes you to miss some great investments on some good companies, so I would rather sit in cash or short-term investment waiting for that pullback to put it in because it makes you feel good. I think comes this whole thing of the asset allocation, which we don't believe in. I'd rather hold cash, wait for better buying a company.
2: Chase? Yeah, the other thing I'd point out here, too, is if I look at this ETF, I mean, of the holding is in Newmont Corporation. so Newmont Mining. Yeah, Newmont Mining. So if Newmont Mining doesn't do well, this ETF is not going to do well. I mean, 20% is a huge percentage. I mean, your top 10 holdings occupy about 70% of the entire ETF. Um, So, I mean, that's one thing that I've just never been a fan of the ETFs. I'd rather look at saying, do I like Newmont? Yeah, if I like Newmont, I'm going to buy Newmont. I'm not going to buy 20% of Newmont. So I... I would want to find a gold miner that I like rather than saying, "Ah, I'll put it in the the ETF," just because you're going to get some junk in there. You might get some good companies. I'd rather find the good company, not take on that junk. Yeah, yeah.
3: So and, it, and really do the research to find that company actually. And if you're going to, you know, allocate some some percentage of your portfolio to, to an ETF, then actually, what, you're, what I hear you saying is just do the research, put the time in. Find uh, a few more stocks that you like or or as uh, mentioned earlier, just just wait for the correction to come right Yeah. And and do you can I ask just your thoughts? Do you think that that downturn or that dip that we've had uh, this week? um, Is that do you foresee that as the start of a, you know, longer term downtrend or just a momentary uh, correction?
1: Uh, Anthony, let me put you on a hold for a second. I'm going to check the crystal ball. So <laughs> uh, we we really don't know. And to let you know, in our portfolio, our cash has been increasing, not because we're predicting the the pullback, which I think there will be one, but simply because things are becoming more pricey. And when things become more yeah. pricey, uh, eventually people are going to say, "I'm not going to pay that high price for it." So so that's why our cash is up. I think we're up to eighty some million dollars in cash, which is what over twenty percent, about twenty percent. That is just something that uh, has happened naturally. Uh, And I tell people, I I believe we'll have a pullback. Could be on Monday. Could be four months from now. I I, I don't know. But but I think
3: think that that's in itself an answer. If you're you're saving that much cash, it sounds like you're prepping, like you're preparing even your own portfolio to dive in more deeply when things become more affordable.
2: Yep. Right. Yeah, and as Brent said, we don't know if it's going to be in two weeks, or if it's going to be in four months, I mean, it's it's going to be dependent on, on when the the prices become more appealing, and and you know things might go up another ten percent or something. But we just know things are expensive right now, and it's hard to find things to buy. And rather than jumping in and buying things, hey, we'll, we'll be patient. We have cash. We'll yeah. wait for a good opportunity. There's nothing worse than buying something just to buy it, and then you kick yourself six months down the road. Now you're in this company. It went down 10%. Well, now it's a good value. I guess I'll continue (laughs) to hold it. I mean, that's a terrible spot. And and I think it's
1: very important to realize, too, that we're not selling just because we think things are high. I mean, I had people back in September, October, oh, we need to sell. We need to sell things too high. I go, no, they're not based on our fundamentals. They're not. We only sell our businesses when they hit that 16.6 Ford PE ratio. That's when we say we're going to get out. may not be the top. But that's what happened. I think we've done what three sales so far this year. We do run a concentrated portfolio. That's a fair amount of cash we we've kind of raised. If I am wrong and things don't pull back, we'll still do very well in 2021. But generally, doing this for 40 years, generally as things go up, you know, we have more. And,
3: and you just you just cited a, a statistic that forward-looking. Do you value that um, measurement more than than say current PE?
1: Yes, yeah, because Ford P.E. is based on what the earnings are going forward, based on the mean of the number of analysts that we have. And uh, that's what, a 40-year average, I think, uh, is what it is, Chase? Uh,
2: 25. 25
1: 25-year, yeah. So um, it's just something that, you know, again, is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. Maybe the perfect number is 17. Maybe it's 15. But it's what we use based on a formula. The 16.6 is a very good number. And I will tell you, there's been companies Mm. that we've sold at, uh, you know, the 16.6, and it went up to you know 25, 25 times earnings. Uh, but then there's other ones yeah. that we sold at 16.6, and now they're down you know, 40% from what we sold them at.
2: So. Yeah, and, and the other thing, Definitely. too, I, I just wanted to point out, yes, about the current earnings. The reason why we appreciate the current PE and we want to understand it, it, it gives us a good kind of starting point is sometimes you'll have companies, like okay, I'll talk about retail companies last year. Well, they were forced to shut down. Yeah. So they're not going to have a good current PE right now, but their forward PE can still be quite strong. Or they could sell and divest from a business. That could be a huge loss, but it doesn't really impact their cash flow. It doesn't impact the future of the business, but their current PE would then be affected from that. So uh, that's why we we appreciate the current PE and take that into consideration, but we always want to understand the full story of of all the valuation ratios. Yeah.
3: All right, Anthony. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I love listening to the show.
1: Well, thanks for being here. We appreciate. It. Be sure to tell your friends and neighbors.
3: Sure will. Absolutely. Right.
2: Bye bye. I normally don't like to do this, but sure. I, I do think that this is the beginning of the correction. I you do. I do. Um, I I think you're going to see some, of course, volatility and movement over the next couple of weeks, and right. especially around the stimulus package. Oh, this is going to be great. Oh, and then the ten-year note could go down. Oh, it's going to be exciting. But I do think. And again, I, I actually thought we were going to have the 10% correction in February. That, that was my initial guess. And that's, again, why you don't try and guess the stock market because <laughs> you could be looking at everything and you don't know when it's going to happen. Right. But I, I do think with everything kind of moving on right now, I, I think there's been just so much optimism. I think I, I think we, we could have that 10% correction here in March now. So that, yeah. That's my estimation. Yeah. Again, there's probably a 30% accuracy out would have to that. See, but. But,
1: but what's important, Chase, too, is to point out to people, that's what you think, but you're not saying I'm not going to sell everything. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to get out because I think there's going to. No, it's like if it happens, we'll we'll deal with it. But it's important to to be prepared for it because when it happens, it's like yeah, we we thought this was going to happen, but we still hold those great businesses, those great equities. So important to understand that what could happen, and again, we hope it happens yeah. because again, I, I I can't tell what my projection is for this year in our portfolio, but if it happens, we're going to do better because we now have we can step in and buy. You know, a couple more buys that will do, do very well by December 31st. But I, I kind of agree with you as well
2: because I don't see any catalyst to keep this going up. I mean, once we get the stimulus. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing that could come in is the reopening. But I, I as we talked about on the previous shows is I, I just think, yeah, everybody knows the reopening's coming. You know? Like, it is? Yeah. I didn't hear about that. Well, <laughs> maybe not in California. No, I don't know. <laughs> you, you know, everybody knows it's coming. It's not like some big secret like, oh, right. We're going to get out of this at some point. And everybody has that optimism around it already. So I think once we get through this stimulus, I think there's just nothing really that is going to, as you say, be that catalyst that, that gets us moving higher. Right. And the other thing, too, we talk about the reopening is these online companies, these tech companies, is if their businesses are actually impacted more from the reopening than people anticipate, that's going to hurt the stock market, especially the NASDAQ, yeah. which we've seen have problems already as well. And I think I saw in DoorDash. I mean, their growth has slowed significantly because you had this huge growth last year. Yeah. You're not going to repeat the the stay-at-home order. Where you're going to oh, the only place
1: to get food <laughs> is DoorDash. Yeah, and again, <laughs> when people start going back to the restaurants, and and I don't know what it is nationwide. I mean, here in California, we know we are kind of stuck in the mud here, but um, but nationwide, I think we have seen that like we saw Oklahoma the, they came out. They have a 1.2 billion dollar surplus. Well, obviously their economy is open. It's not you know closed, so you're not going to have this. Big things, and that's one thing. too an investor, has to realize you're a very, very small piece of the big puzzle. When you live in San Diego, wherever you live, that's you can't see what's going on in Alabama or Michigan or Florida, Texas. I mean, it's such a wide thing. That's why we look at the numbers. Like we we know that last week we reported what retail sales were up, what five percent was it
2: or something? Yeah, you're you're giving me too many numbers. I don't remember the exact (laughs) exact number. (laughs) But it it was was a good number, which means
1: that. Yeah, when the reopening happens maybe in April, well, people have been kind of buying out there. And yes, we know it's gonna be more, but it may not be that much more. So, um yeah, I I, I I'm prepared for a pullback, but I'm not going to go and I wanna warn people, do not go out and sell everything
2: because Brent and Chase said we think it could happen the <laughs> yeah. corrections day. Do not do that. And the other thing too, I mean we always talk about just because a correction happens doesn't mean that all companies will go down. I mean yeah. I, I I had a presentation last night for, for a couple, and I was talking about, I would call it the pain index in the five worst years for the S&P 500. And if you actually look at, I think it's 2000 and 1981, value stocks actually increased and the S&P 500 was down and growth stocks were down tremendously. I want to say like in 2000, value stocks were up close to 10% and growth stocks were down close to 20%. Right. So there's a huge discrepancy there. So <clears> if you <throat> have good companies, they could still go up even though you get a correction in the market. So don't correlate just, oh, i got to sell everything because the market might go down. Right. That's a big mistake people make. And we've had clients, oh, my, I'm, I'm nervous. And you know, we've had companies that have done very, very well over the last few months uh, mm-hmm. just because, as you said, the valuations look good. Right. And, and, and again, we've talked before in the past how
1: five or six companies are very heavily concentrated in the index, the S&P 500. If they drop dramatically, the S&P 500 could drop because of the concentration. So... Um, you know the companies we're looking at and eh, we still can't find any buys but we will see all right phone number is 866 577 2473 that's 866 577 2473 going to go back to facebook uh susan wanted to know about uh abby Incorporated. i was kind of curious on this one as well so i want to go over that one uh symbol for abby is abbv we do see a high PE ratio, unfortunately, 39.8 versus not material for the industry. Price to sales, well, that's 4.2 versus 11.7. Price to book value, unfortunately, not material versus 12.9. And we do see that price of cash flow is 17.2 uh, versus not material for the industry. We also do see they pay a nice dividend, 4.8%. However, they use 181% of their earnings to pay that out, so that cannot be sustained. Have to understand what those earnings are doing, or if they're not going to grow, they could actually cut that dividend. That would worry me. We do see sales were up 37.7%, above the industry at 134 Earnings per share, unfortunately, fell by 48%. Industry was down one2 The balance sheet looks terrible here. We've got a current ratio of 08 versus 4 and debt-to-equity, 658 versus 46. Now, I would want to check into that a little bit deeper. That is a terrible uh, debt-to-equity. I'm I'm guessing maybe their equity is very low, maybe they're buying back stock. But you have to understand this before you get into this company because that's just a terrible – I mean, you almost seven times your debt-to-equity, that's not a good good indicator. We do see that uh, return-to-equity is 185% versus a negative 18. That does kind of tell me perhaps the equity is very low. We see a net profit margin, 10. That's well above the interest at 26.2. We see a turnover, 6.4 versus 4.8. Inventory turnover comes in at 6, well above the interest at 2.1. So some things I like here, but I do have some concerns. What do you got going forward, Chase?
2: So current price here that I have for AbbVie is $107.74, 52-week high, $113.41, and that 52-week low at $62.55. I go out to December 2022, I do see estimated earnings per share of $13.80. would give the target sell price of $229.08? So that looks promising. But kind of going back to that Atlas uh, Worldwide Company is same thing here. The, the gap earnings are $8.31. I, I want to know why there's such a large discrepancy between those two. And Avvi is one that I've looked at for years and I just always have that problem of high debt, and the huge discrepancy between gap earnings and non-gap earnings.
1: And and, and this is, again, one that you want to kind of look at. I know they're a drug company. I I believe they competed with, uh, I want to say, Gilead and some drugs and stuff. I I, I remember some things about this company I liked, but, uh, again, you really got to do some research on this because you've got some issues that we don't like, and what is in the drug pipeline? What do they have going forward? I mean, we hold hold a drug company in our our, uh, portfolio, we know what the pipeline is going down, you know, one, two, three years. What does AbbVie have? And that, that's what we got to check. The numbers, I think, make it worthwhile checking, but there's a lot more research to do here.
2: Yeah, so, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's – I don't know. I, I still think I'd rather have a different drug company. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm. I, I, I've I always never, felt I think, comfortable.
1: Feel comfortable, yeah. And the drug company that we have, we feel pretty comfortable with it. Uh, we've had them over the years. Different ones feel comfortable with them. This one here, maybe you couldn't feel country. Start looking at the research. Like, wow, I didn't know this, but a lot more research to do here. So already phone number is 866-577-2473. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go down to Chula Vista and speak with Kevin. Kevin, you are on the Smart Investing Show with mm-hmm. Brent Chase. How can we help you?
6: Gentlemen, going back to the discussion about energy the last hour. Yes. Um I wanna I want to take a very gentle memory stick and bat you both over the head. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, bless your hearts. Um, anytime you increase energy and, and you know, prior to the election, my gas pump was two seventy nine a gallon. Mm-hmm. It is now up to four dollars a gallon. That's about a hundred percent increase in the course of ninety days. That takes money out of my pocket that normally would have gone to other things. So to have this automatic assumption that everybody's going to be able to jump on a plane what do you think the airlines are going to have to do when their fuel costs go up 100 percent? You think that those tickets are going to be cheap?
2: Oh, no, you they know, won't. What do you think that, <laughs> no, they won't.
6: No, they won't. And so the biggest guerrilla suppression on an economy that's even worse than what this pandemic can do is the, the medium to long term effects of, of high energy costs. There's a lot of folks out there that listen to this program that voted with a D in front of their name, that party. They put that man in the White House. They told, he made it very clear, if you were listening, what he was gonna do. And the first week that he was in office, he took out thousands and thousands of people that were making five and six figure incomes on those pipelines, they are now unemployed. I don't, to expect Brent that this guy is somehow gonna come with some type of harmonic convergence of wisdom uh, next week and figure out that he just screwed the whole thing up ain't going to happen. Their political ideology is is set and they don't care. And I think that that's the, the the kind of truth telling that we need to hear, because there's a whole lot of folks out there that vote counterintuitive to financial sense. Right. And that's the problem here is that is that we need to start thinking about uh, our financial best interest before we mark that ballot. And despite the the guy in the White House that you might not like politically because of of how he talks, the the previous incumbent, he was a hell of a lot better for economy than what this crowd is going to do. That's just a that's just a financial fact.
1: Right. Right. And Kevin, I love the way you speak. You 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 kind of say. Something negative, but you do just so eloquent. Like <laughs> they beat us with a small <laughs> stick or something. <laughs> I mean, it's very good. And, and, and I'm like the guy with the D in front of him, You are so good speaking. You're not saying anything bad, but yet you read between lines like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And, and <laughs>
2: Kevin, I, I want to say we, we obviously completely agree with you there. Yeah. And I think that, yes, prices are going to be high, but I think you're going to have a short-term demand spike. Just it's like, gosh, I've been cooped up. You know, as Brent said, people have paid down a lot of debt. So people are in a good financial spot. But as you've said, longer term, it's not good for oil prices, which is going to be passed on to the consumers. I think short term people aren't going to care about it because they're they're yeah. pretty liquid at the current time. But over well, the next they, few they years, that that's where we said there's going to be some problems. And that's why we have some concerns over 2022, 2023. But I think this year when things reopen, there's a lot of pent up demand from people that have been cooped up for so long. They're Like, right. yeah, I can afford that. Oh, that's all right. Five hundred dollars to go to, you know, whatever you want to go to. Yeah, I can afford that. But over time, it's going to be a problem.
6: Yeah, I agree that those who have the disposable income and that ability will spend it. There's that's just traditional. But there are a whole lot of folks on the other side, the blue collar folks, the folks that are on fixed incomes, which, you know, which the Democrats did a good job of of making more of. That's what they're good at, by the way. Um, They are not going to have that that same opportunity. So, yes, you're going to have a short term bump. You're absolutely right, Chase. Yep. But I don't think that 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 short term is going to be sustainable based upon the way they do business down there in D.C. now. Right. So, um, you know, how that translates into financial investing is going to be one darn interesting ride because uh, they could easily plunge this economy into a, a recession much towards that we had back in 2000, you know, seven, six before uh, Obama came in and tried to bail out the banking industry. I mean, we are on a house of cards right now, guys. Every time we do a big time trillion billion dollar stimulus, who's going to pay that bill? The future, yeah,
1: and, and, and future actually, who? The yeah, future who? Future taxpayers. I right,
6: mean, right. I, what future taxpayers? Because you won't have any <laughs> and, and when, you, when, you, when, when you do when you do redistribution of income, which is their which is their economic principle. You don't create taxpayers.
1: You create tax takers. Right. And, and, and that's a big difference. And I won't spend too much time on because I'm talking about this tomorrow on KUSI, talking about the the strength of the consumer uh, versus the government and how things kind of move. But I, I do want to say I do see that 2022, I keep saying that I, I'm kind of seeing this black hole right now. I'll know more as time mm-hmm. passes. Um, because right, right now, I, I hear what you're saying. It will happen. I don't think it's going to happen this year. And I'm still not sure about next year, so that's why I actually I generally don't talk about 2022. I think today I've talked about it now about three times, but I, I just don't have that feeling yet. So and and uh, yeah. you're right. I mean it's going to take more money out of people's pockets, um, but people and also too you talked about some people losing their jobs. I saw that Costco. I don't know how many people they employ. They're raising their uh, bottom wage to sixteen dollars an hour. So there is more money coming in. Uh, we are losing things. Uh, but you got to see how things shake out. And that's why, again, we stick to buying our quality companies and why we do have one energy company in our portfolio because obviously rates go up or energy goes up, they're going to do well, which they've done, I think, gosh, you're up, what, 100% in the last two month months, or two? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, yeah, you, you bring a, great, uh, a lot of great points to the uh, table here, Kevin.
6: Well, God bless you guys for uh, doing what you're doing. And anytime you need help from old Kevin here, <laughs> on the, on the, I'll, I'll sit in with you guys. And uh, we'll go through the the political sides of of the of the financial stuff because they go hand in hand.
1: Oh, the, the, and, they they do um, this. And, s- and I, yeah. I, I'm sorry, guys, go yeah. ahead. I was going to say they do to some degree, but not completely. I mean, you you've got to kind of balance yeah. things out. And and what I was going to say, Kevin, too, was that uh, you know I, how long have you been listening to the show.
6: Oh gosh, uh, you know I found you guys uh, what two three years ago, and it's just a lot of fun. Okay. I, I like I like your perspective. It's it's you guys are not you know heavy duty on on a lot of things, which is good. It's just fun, good stuff to listen to. And uh, you know, then I get on the phone to my financial guy and I say, guess what they said down in San Diego again.
2: They <laughs> <laughs> said oh. down in San Diego. Where are you at? Well, he's in I'm in,
6: Chile, I'm in. San yeah. Diego, but my okay. financial guy is up in uh, Seal Beach. So.
2: Okay, okay.
1: Because <laughs> yeah. well, one thing I was going to yeah. say, too, well, keep listening to the show, and when we need yeah. it, bring back that small stick you want to hit us over the head with. And, and, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk smack about you guys it. a
6: couple of times. There we go. <laughs> All
1: right. All right, Kevin. Thanks for calling. All right. All the
6: best, dudes. Okay, bye.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, that does open up the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 866-577- 577 2473. I see we had Chris from Santee. He did have to hang up. Sometimes it's it's probably hard to hang on the phone because I know we and again we don't want just like boom 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 go through these calls. You like to have like we had with, with Kevin, what a great conversation. We like to talk about things a little bit more. And if you can't hold on, what our our, our great guy Brennan does is he puts it down below to let us know you hung up and then uh, we'll we'll go back to that. So uh, do you you don't see that, do you chase? So it's Kevin or Chris from Santee uh Vive V I V E uh, was a symbol. So let, let's put that in and see what the, that was. And hopefully uh, uh, Chris and Chris and is still listening since he wanted to know about that. Phone numbers here, by the way, are 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Uh, Chris did want to talk about... Uh, bi- how do you say that? Vaviv? Vaviv? A lot of V's in there. I've never seen Vive or Vive? It's got three V's in it, so uh, Vive, we'll call it, Medical Incorporated. Uh, Symbol is V-I-V-E. Unfortunately here, Chris, no P-E ratio versus 58 for the industry. Price to sales, 5.4. Below the industry is 7.6. That's a positive. Price to book value, 2.4 versus, wow, 518. Kind of tells me maybe this is a biotech company. Uh, We do not see any price to cash flow. The industry is at 33 they do not pay a dividend. Uh, we do see sales are down 48% year-over-year. Year. The industry was up 11.3. Earnings per share, they were up 93% when the industry was up 15 But I got a question, how can you have a reduction in sales of 48% but yet earnings up 93%? You want to understand the answer to that question. We do see that uh, the balance sheet, current ratio, very good, 4.9 versus 2.5. Debt to equity, 51. Very close to the industry of 47. I do not see return on equity. That makes me question: Do they not have any equity? Industries eleven point six net profit margin a negative six hundred and thirty one versus a pause of thirteen point fifteen. And then we see we see a turnover two point nine versus five point five inventory turnover not good either, one point two versus two point nine. Those are for the last twelve months. Uh, Both those. Uh, Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward?
2: Yeah, So uh, current price here again for Vaviv Medical Inc. is uh, $3.40, 52-week high here. Wow, $14.40 and 52-week low, $3.03. I go out to December 2021. I do see an estimated loss of $4.19. And I'm shocked here. They have two analysts. I say I'm shocked here because the market cap on this company, $26 million. I'm surprised they have any, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, tiny. I mean, that is yeah. a very, very small company, um, and I don't know if they had something in the pipelines in the FDA, and it just got knocked down because they have that type of decline from 1440 to 303, oh, that, that's a huge decline. And that's one reason we were very cautious of these biotech companies. Maybe they have something else in the works, but a company that small, I'm worried they were either hit or miss with that one product. Yeah, yeah, and, and that could be. A, and this was like a gamble
1: uh i 'm not sure what you saw on this uh uh Chris well now it says Vincent,
3: so was it Chris or Vincent <laughs> i think i'm typing in another one sorry oh okay Okay. It's, so chris, he,
1: it's chris okay it is Chris okay so he 's typing in something else for us uh but but for chris it i 'm not sure what he saw on this. could have been the gambling, maybe they had the next cure for cancer' um, been the huge decline uh yeah yeah, but yeah 'cause uh fourteen was a high and now three forty so hopefully Chris did not buy it at fourteen dollars a yeah. share. But we're not seeing any reason to come back into this company. And if they do have some potential breakthrough on some drug, I still want not take the risk on this. It's it's just uh, too small. I I'm not a risk taker guy. I mean, I'll, I'll do a little bit, but I'm not going to say, yeah, if I buy this at three, it's going back to fourteen, and I'll make you know five hundred percent. money. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So uh, wouldn't wouldn't do that. So already phone number is 2473 That's eight six six. 577 and I see that, uh, well, okay, now, now I'm, you got me confused, Brendan, because I see Vincent Facebook, uh, are we talking about Chris, or are we talking about Vincent here? Now we have Vincent here. Uh, okay, so, so Vincent's on Facebook. Okay, so this is different. There we go. So, and I, I thought I was a caller, so that, that's why I'm kind of confused. So, uh, Vincent has a position, since I'm talking about, it, I'll go to that, has a position in the portfolio that increased to 10%. He wants to trim back to 6%. Uh, when should he do that? Um, kind of, I, I don't, he didn't give us a stock that he has? Nope. Nope. Okay. So with the, without the stock, I mean, we'll kind of say what we do. I mean, we have a position that gets up to 12, 14%. We'll start trimming it back. But it's kind of hard to know without the, the, the yeah, company. Yeah. Uh,
2: well, I think he's just kind of asking generally. And I mean, to let you know, when he kind of asks on like, if there's a market run up or an earnings report, that's not going to drive us to to pull something back just because it's more than 6%. I mean, if it goes up, and it hits its target sell price. If it's yeah. 10%, we're not going to trim it down at 6%. We're going to sell out the position and get out of the position if it's time to sell. Right. But 10%, I'm okay with, with that level. It's it's really when it gets up to, again, 12%, 15%. Then we'll look at pairing it back to maybe 10% of the portfolio because that, to me, is an okay position. It's not going to be too overweight if you have a potential pullback in that company. It's not going to destroy the portfolio. But, you know, if you pull back every time something gets to 10%, I think you're going to be doing a lot more trading than you probably should.
1: And, and actually that can really hurt your performance going forward because the fact what's going to happen is that uh, it's doing very well. It can still be 30%, 40% away from the target sell price. It was at 10% of your portfolio. Now you trim it back to 6%. The company keeps going up. Well, you're not going to have as big a return in your portfolio because you now hold not 10% of that company but 6%. So it really comes back to, as you said, looking at what that business is worth, but as a general rule of thumb, we'll start looking at things at 12 to 15% uh, when they're at the portfolio saying, yeah, we, we better pull back a few percent. I, but we don't we don't bring it back down to six usually. We'll just pull it back maybe to 4 know, or 5% or so. Yeah, So pull it back 4 or 5%. Okay, so uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866 866-577- 577 2473. We seem to have a lot of people coming in through Facebook this morning, unless from
2: the phone calls. You yeah, I know. Like it's been uh, pretty busy there on All Facebook. Right. Well, uh, since we got uh,
1: Robert from Facebook, uh, wants to know about Kim. I'm assuming that's a symbol. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, the company is Kimco Realty. Oh, so it's a REIT, I presume? I'm guessing.
1: Okay. Well, let me, let me go back to my screens here because I kind of left things off here with Vive. I, I,
2: I think we've looked at Kimco Realty in the past. So, um, I think they might do, like, shopping centers, if I'm, my memory serves me correct. Yeah, that sounds kind of familiar. Uh, uh Real Estate Investment Trust, while you're pulling it up, uh, let's see. Yes, operates uh, open-air grocery-anchored shopping centers and mixed-use assets. And I remember talking about this before because I like that they're grocery-centered or yep. grocery-store-centered because that's something I don't see grocery stores going away. I mean, you I, talk I, about I, brick-and-mortar retail. Right. That's going to maybe reduce its size, but I don't see grocery stores going anywhere. So I liked that. I remember looking at this in the past,
1: and I agree with you. People might be saying, "Yeah, but now they have home delivery and stuff."
2: I still don't like somebody picking out my steaks, my apples, my my fruit. And all that. I, I, I don't say, like yeah. that concept. I mean, I, I like my marbling in the steak a certain way, yeah. and I'm going to be upset if somebody brings me a steak. What did you do? Just take the top one, you know? <laughs> <All right. laughs> and what's they do then? And, and, and again,
1: they they they're not going to pick the same vegetables. So I don't think grocery shopping is going to go away. Uh, maybe for somebody that doesn't want to go out as much, but but again, it's just how to act. And the point being, where the grocery store is a center of one, that's going to create traffic coming through there, so people can say, "Oh, what's that business over there?"
2: Yeah, and I, I got to say, our you know our guy Jairus, that always likes to call. I, I, I know is. I don't know where he's at this <laughs> week, but he always calls, and I remember he, him talking about Costco and going down, looking through the aisles. Yeah, it, it's kind of a, a good experience. And I mean, I like to cook on the weekends. I don't really like to cook during the week, and it, it's an experience. You know, right. you don't want to just Get the ingredients that somebody else picked out for you. I like to pick out my own ingredients when I when I go grocery shopping.
1: Yeah, and it's such an important thing. So, all right. So let's look at uh, Kimco Realty Corporation. The symbol is K I M. Uh, PE ratio eight point one versus not material for the industry. I'm, I'm almost kind of wondering. I've noticed I've said it a lot today. I'm wondering if Reuters is having an issue because a
2: lot of these industries there's nothing there. So I think it uh, might be just because we're still in the middle of like farming yeah. season where they could just be adjusting that.
1: Yeah, that 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 could be okay. Uh, price of sales, 7.5 versus 2.6 for the industry. Price of book value, 1.4 versus 1.9. That is positive. And also positive is price of cash flow at 6.7 versus 39. Now, they do pay a dividend of 3.7%. It doesn't sound that high, but they only use 27% of their earnings to pay that out. So I like seeing that type of dividend for that low of earnings. It tells me, too, they could actually increase their earnings or their dividends going forward. Sales were down eight point seven percent year over year. Not as bad as the industry down twelve point nine. We do see earnings per share were up one hundred eighty one percent. Yet the industry was down two hundred ninety one. We see uh, the balance sheet again. It's a a, a read here, uh, but debt to equity is ninety five versus three eighteen. So that's that's another positive. Doesn't appear to be a lot of debt. Return on equity eighteen point six versus five point eight. Profit margin, 87.6 versus 9.2. And these are numbers for December 31st. And we see we received our four point eight just below the initial at six point one i'm kind of kind of feeling good about what i'm seeing i don't know what you got over there and we'll we'll talk more about the company, but I kind of like what i'm seeing here
2: yeah so current price here for Kimco is eighteen dollars thirty three cents fifty two week high nineteen dollars and forty four cents and fifty two week low seven dollars and forty five cents so doing really well off of that uh, I go out to december two thousand and twenty two I'm looking at funds from operation of one dollar and thirty four cents that would give us a target sell price of $22.24, so still above that current level. Right. I know uh, Robert was talking about maybe selling it at this rate. I don't know if I would, but this is something that we've kind of been battling with. We've talked a lot about the office real estate investment space as something that we're kind of interested in. But the problem is with REITs, they generally have that negative correlation with interest rates because they do have to borrow money and so forth. So those yeah. interest rates go up, their cost of capital goes up, they have to spend more on borrowing that money, which can kind of hurt those real estate deals. So it's been something we've been fighting back and forth with on, as a REIT, do we want to kind of expose ourselves to that? It still has great valuations. It's still a great business. And I like this one, especially, as you said, low debt. So this is definitely the type of REIT you would want in a rising rate environment. You don't want the ones that have 500% debt to equity. Those are going to be the ones that have big problems, especially with short-term debt. But uh, I would also want to understand, too, how much of it is grocery store-centered. Is it 80% or is it 55%?
1: And also regional, where where are the regions? We always talk about this with REITs, where are they based? Because we have one, I was talking to somebody that actually is in New York City, actually a radio show I did for this uh, podcast I did for this gentleman I've known for years um, called Moneyline. But uh, anyways, um, he's in New York City. Actually, he's in Massachusetts, but I guess he goes to New York City a lot. We talked about the REIT that we've talked about in the past, that we like it, the numbers look great, but it's all focused or concentrated just in New York City, which we think will turn around, but very speculative. This one here, this Kimco, perhaps are across the board, uh, you know, in Florida, in Texas, in New York, in California, I mean, across the country. So you've got that diversification and and very important to see, again, how many grocery stores are they actually anchored to or is that just their thing?
2: I mean, that's a great point to bring up as well. I'm going to kind of say if it is, let's say, anchored mainly in Florida, um, they could have actually probably done pretty well here. And if yeah. they don't have that national exposure, they're not going to get the pickup that other ones would had they been in, you know, California and other states that locked down. And, you know, it's funny. I was talking to actually my uncle that's in Montana here recently. He's like, oh, yeah, it's a lot different than what you're dealing with in California. <laughs> it's like a whole different pandemic that we're going through. So my point being here is if you're kind of exposed to areas that have already recovered from this, you're not going to benefit as much had it been a national company that, that is going to get some pickup Yep. from the areas that have had more issues. Right, right. And,
1: then, and I just, again, you, you know, we have these conversations uh, in the office all the time. Uh, right now, just speaking out loud. I mean, maybe this is one we kind of look at as well because I, I like the concept. It does have the groceries in there. Uh, we've got the good dividend. Just a pullback here, not a lot of debt. Um, it, it could be a, a nice, good long-term hold. I, I just don't believe that people are going to stay in their home, be on Netflix all day doing Zoom uh, ordering DoorDash. I, I I think we are social human beings, and most people go back out. And I I still, yesterday at the mall, there, there was lines to get into many different places because, again, they're trying to regulate people and so forth. Um, I still think there's a lot more. And actually, I heard the number. Uh, I believe 61 million people have been vaccinated. Did you hear that number? Uh, I haven't heard it. No, I haven't really yeah. read that. Yeah, and, and I'm pretty sure that's what it was because they said there's a confusion. There's 60, and these numbers could be off a little bit, but like 61 million people have been vaccinated, but they've distributed 91 million. So they're saying, "Well, where's the other 30 million? They just floating around somewhere. Why? Why they're not in people's arms yet? You
2: know? So. Well, I, I do know you got to be sure you keep it at a certain temperature. <laughs> so it's hard to regulate. I wonder if there's been some waste in it as well that they be. don't want to disclose, or if it's um, You know, I know that there's been kind of regulations put on who can receive the vaccine where it could be like, oh, we're, we're waiting for this and we have to regulate it beyond this. So there's just kind of some in the pipeline, just right. kind of speculating. Don't have the answer for you today, yeah. but uh, something to consider. All right. Uh, we got about 10 minutes left here. I'm thinking, have I given out the phone lines? This has been, I think,
1: the slowest day on the phone lines, the busiest day on Facebook. Yeah. Phone number is 866-577-2473. But well, let's go back to Facebook, and uh, we have Josh wants to know about HLF. Have, have you seen that one, Chase?
2: Yep, that's uh, Herbalife. And, Herbalife. uh Yeah, so I, this is an interesting one. And, and Josh says he he did pick up some shares up about 45%, so congratulations on that, Josh. Uh, thought about getting more after the fourth quarter numbers in the projected 2021. What are your thoughts? Wasn't this
1: the company that uh, – was it Ackman that shorted for years? Was that the
2: one that so he shorted? I, I don't – I know there was a battle going on between two hedge fund managers. One uh, Car- supported Car-
1: it. Carl Icahn supported it.
2: Okay, and Ackman was shorting it. Right. So I, I do know that he kind of called Herbalife like a Ponzi scheme, basically, yeah. or a, not a Ponzi, a pyramid scheme. Pyramid scheme. Um, and thought it was a house of cards and so forth. And I think he ended up losing the battle, and I think Carl uh-huh. Icahn benefited. Um, but it was several years ago, and I haven't heard it as it kind of fell out of um, the war zone, so to right. speak, between those two guys, as I think— Ackman did concede but yeah so I'm curious to take a look at it as as I said I haven't looked at it in a while that's what I was thinking too
1: so again the company is Herbalife Nutrition Limited symbol is HLF good start here Chase PE ratio 16.2 versus 22.2 price of sales 0.9 versus 3.6 that's good unfortunately no price to book value same as the industry but price of cash flow checks in at 11.2 versus 16.8 so that's another positive there They do not pay a dividend. Their sales are actually up 13.8% year-over-year, industry up 17.5. Earnings per share was up 27.1%, not quite as good as the industry at 36.6, but I still like to see that growth on earnings, 27%. Very good. Uh, The balance sheet, got a current ratio here of 1.6 versus 1.1. No debt to equity, and I don't know if because the debt exceeds the equity or if they have no equity. I might try to check the balance sheet while you're looking at the earnings going forward. Uh, return to e- equity is negative. We do see a net profit margin 6.7. That's well below the industry at 16, unfortunately. Uh, receivable turnover 68 versus 11.5. And then inventory turnover 2.5, not as good as the industry at a 6.5% gain. Jace, what do you got for the earnings going forward?
2: Yes, yeah, so I'm looking here at a current price for Herbalife of $44.98. 52-week high is $59, and that 52-week low is $20.73. I go out to December two thousand twenty-two. I do see estimated earnings per share of five dollars would give us a target sell price of eighty-three dollars. So, on a evaluation perspective, it it looks quite strong. Um, you know, I I kind of surprised by how how good it looks.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm looking here at the 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 company because I I, I did go to the balance sheet. Now they do have oh here it is. Uh, they they do have negative equity. A negative equity of eight hundred fifty-six million dollars uh let me see if that's in millions or billions
2: uh come on why is my whoa what's what's
1: going on my computer also. Like, <laughs> it's going up and down like crazy
2: <laughs> yeah i mean while you're kind of looking at that i was going to talk a little bit obviously we know the company does the weight management products you know meal replacement products protein shakes drink ma- mixes weight loss enhancers healthy snacks things like that i i don't know anybody that uses herbalife i don't either so and, and that's was, another thing i kind of think about
1: right and i was thinking too and again we're in uh, again a, a separate area maybe the country, so to speak. But, um, yeah, I've not heard about it from anybody or anybody trying to sell me on a real life for, for a long, long, long time. Uh, so, yeah, so that is in millions. So the equity is a negative $856 million. Their debt uh, has increased from $1.8 billion up to $2.4 billion, So they are having trouble, apparently, on that side. So uh, I think you said the number's looking on the earnings. I wasn't paying attention because I was looking on the balance sheet, um, but I'm worried about the balance sheet.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, that is something that, that could derail this company. I think that's an issue Ackman had with it for years was the, the balance sheet was terrible and stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, obviously, it's still around today. But I mean, and, and one thing too, I talk about not knowing anybody. That is, a, again, a big mistake that I think people make. Well, I don't know about this company or use this company. Well, there's also how many people in the United States or around <laughs> the world even for that matter that might yeah. be using their products. So got to understand more about that. It is always kind of a red flag to me if I I don't know it, haven't heard of it. But that means I'll, I'll research who is using this product. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so, well, we got a call, so I'm going to go to the call because we've got like five minutes left here. So let's go out to San Diego and speak with George. George, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you?
4: Yeah, the stock I'm looking at has uh, two symbols. One is SCCO, and it's Southern Copper. And the other one is uh, PCUSG, and that's also Southern Copper. Uh, can you tell me why they have two companies and whether they're a good buy?
1: I was just going to ask you that question, why they got two symbols, because I've, I've never seen this before.
2: Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, let, let, let me see. Um, I, I think, let's see, I did pull it up here, and it, it it's my, my, well, my belief on it is, if I look on it here, PCUSG, uh, is, it's on a different exchange. So th- okay. there's actually a lot of different ones. If you look at kind of, uh, you know, PCU.F. Well, that's on the, the French exchange. Right. So um, that's my main guess. I, I can't really pull up PCUSG to see exactly what exchange it is. It says STU. I, I don't know where that would be. Yeah, so um, that's
1: what I was thinking. Either it's a foreign company, something's going on because generally a stock will have just one symbol because that'd be very confusing to have two. But again, you said it might be a French company and I'm a, I'm a, I don't even know what the French market is called. Well, well, no,
2: I'm just, it, it is a, the S. CCO is what the one. exchange is here in the United States. So that, that's the ticker symbol here. But, yeah, the other ones appear to be what it would be on the other exchanges.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So so the, that's what, George, you want to work with the one here, obviously, because you probably can't buy it on the other exchange. And I'll just call it the French exchange is what I'll call it. because. Um, but, but I do see when I put in SCCO, I see Southern Copper corporation
2: right so. and yeah. it is in phoenix arizona so it's an uh, american okay. company
1: yeah yeah so
4: so so what's the rundown
1: all right well let's do that real quick here because I, now i've chewed up too much time yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we, we do see the p.e. ratio 35 versus 134 that's positive price to sales 6.9 versus four that's a negative we do see price to book value 7.8 versus 6.3 uh, price of cash flow 23 versus 21 now they do pay a 3.3 percent dividend use 49 percent there needs to pay that out we do see sales year over year up nine point six percent. Industry down four point nine. We see earnings per share were up five point seven versus a negative twenty. Balance sheet current ratio three point five, very good. Industry at two point eight debt to equity ninety versus one oh four. Return on equity is twenty two versus six point nine. Another positive there for the company. Net profit margin nineteen point seven versus 4.8. four point uh, eight. We see turnover for point eight versus nine point five. And inventory turnover three point eight. Is two point nine. I like what I see. What do you see, Chase? Yeah,
2: so current price is seventy one dollars thirty three cents. Fifty two week high, eighty-three dollars and fifteen cents, and fifty two week low. Well, that's twenty three dollars and forty three cents. But well off that low there. Go out to December two thousand twenty two, estimated earnings per share, two dollars and seventy eight cents. Unfortunately it gives a it target sell price at just forty six dollars and fifteen cents. I know copper's risen substantially yeah. here. I think it's been a benefactor, but I think the stock price is now overvalued based off that. So I'd be careful on that in there, George. All right, George? Thank you. All right, thank Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. I was going to say, too, I mean, George kind of brought up an interesting point about the different ticker symbols. And while this is a little unique, it looks to appear appear to be on different exchanges. You can't have other ticker symbols as well for, like, Alphabet. They have G-O-O-G and G-O-O-G-L, and that's just the voting stock versus the non-voting stock. So that's really the only other time you'll see two tickers for the same company yeah most of the time i, I mean in the
1: past it used to be they were like a thumbprint they were unique and so forth things have kind of changed again the voting stock versus the non-voting stock different ones and it's un- unfortunately just one more thing to confuse the average investor
2: yeah yeah and, and what it is is kind of a, a power grab i'd say for the voting stock is you know it's like well i control now 40 percent of the company but 60 percent of the votes Yep. Alrighty, well, there's a closing bell. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is
1: for information purposes only. It should not be used as investment advice. Let's discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions. Feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips... On our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters. Uh, closing song is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. We're we'll back next week, right here on the Smart Investing Show.
6: And may I say, not in a shop-
0: This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.